welcome to the Survivor Historians, the only Survivor podcast that is endorsed by Peter Harkey. My name is Mario Lanza. Uh, this is Paul Osselson, and can't nobody trust this bitch right here. And I'm Jay Fisher, and I am just pretty excited to be here. Pretty excited to be here. <laughs> I love you, Jay. You're just a big old hippie. <laughs> I love you guys. What do you think, Sandra? Do you think that we have some kind of situation here? <laughs> I'm about to fall out, y'all. I'm done. Yeah, that's it. We're good. Yeah. See you later, America. We're done. Before we start, I have to say we've had so much feedback the last couple days from people that loved our, our impressions. So apparently just emails and requests for us to do more impressions of Rupert, Sandra, and Krista, which is just something we never planned. We just kind of threw together last episode or the been part one, so... What it tells we will try to we, go ahead. I was just gonna say what it tells me is that you all are a bunch of pusses. <laughs> yes. Yes, so we will we'll try to insert them organically in we're not really an impressionist show, but we will do what we can to get them in here. All right. So we're gonna get going with part three here. This is a big one. We got a ton to get into, including starting right off with uh what I have always argued is one of the top ten episodes in Survivor history. Um, I don't want to, I don't really know what my full list is, but that would be on there. Uh, this is the famous Rupert gets booted episode of Pearl Islands. I know Mario. I've read a lot about this. Is going back years. I've read Mario's written a lot about Pearl Islands and specifically this episode, and compares it often to a Greek tragedy. It's how epic this episode is. Yeah. <laughs> did you know you wrote that, Mario? I don't know if you remember that or not. I did. Yeah, it was pretty good. <laughs> that's a good good writing. Well, that's not pretentious at all, is it? <laughs> I let Paul brag about me. Come on, that was better. It's, instead of me doing it. It's much better when he does it. But yes, I've written much about this episode many times over the years, and that's again, that's the phrase that I use over and over again. It's a Greek tragedy. This is, the editors knew they had a golden character in Rupert Bonham. They knew he got voted out, and it was really a game-changing episode. And it all kind of kind of comes together in this episode. They put so much love into, so much editing craft. It just, it's just perfect. It's right from the start. It's ominous. It's got this great uh, imagery going along the way with the snake. Uh, what is it, eating a rat or something like that? No, it's and like a it's, snake eating like an iguana or something. An iguana, that's it. Yeah, he's eating an iguana. And then it it's capped off with this great uh, immunity challenge where Rupert gets taken out by his allies and then blindsided. It's just... I cannot say enough about this episode. Well, it's good, and then it's also got—I mean, we're gonna get—we're uh, gonna get there when we get there. I, I know we say that a lot, but you know, honestly, we will. But this is the one where they've got the the challenge on the big fucking you know uh, uh, pirate ship galleon that's the set that's in there. Like that's an impressive set. I mean, that's just mm-hmm. ridiculously good. So, and it's gonna come into play a little bit later as we get there. But uh, yeah, I mean, just great again, great scenery, great use of the theme. And uh, all of it is backdrop to Rupert going home. And I mean, uh, you know, I've seen people, you know, we've talked about the Rupert boot and stuff like that. And Rupert is just a classic example of he has not aged well over time in the survivor community. But you have to trust me. I, I, this is I, even more so with the you have had to be there to understand, like, we ate everything Rupert did up. And on a rewatch, I've recently rewatched these. And, yeah, Rupert doesn't look so good. And I feel really it's really weird because I don't even think that the editors really knew that he was going to be so popular they knew he was going to be so dynamic but so popular i don't know they didn't present him always in the positive light but it just seemed like everything he did we spun into oh my god rupert is amazing 
and before we get to this episode, I have to point out yet again, this is a big deal, that the entire marketing around Pearl Islands was based around Probe saying that there's going to be this great lie this season. That was the whole thing. That was his whole buildup for Pearl Islands. Pay, pay attention. Just stay invested in the season and wait till you get to this lie that will knock your socks off. And again, I have to point out, we still have not gotten to this great lie. It's like 11, 10, 11 episodes into the season. It's ridiculous how late it comes and how much uh, Probe's built his hype around it. It's right, going to so be get, good. Let's do this. All right, we'll get in right into the episode. Uh, Swimming with Sharks, it is a call. If you have it on DVD, that's the one. Uh, and it opens, of course, again, Greek tragedy. It just starts with this ominous thunder and lightning. It's Rupert outside with this kind of creepy music and thunder and lightning all around him, and he's missing his wife. And it's it's one of my all-time favorite episode uh, beginnings to a Survivor episode because it sets the tone just absolutely perfect. Yeah, it's just it's it's really cool how they do this. There's a lot of scenes will lead up here through Rupert talking about his personal journey and what he's doing and how the nights are hard for him. That's when he misses um, his wife and his daughter the most. If he didn't have to sleep at all, he would do just fine. And then I think that the scene kind of closes out with him saying that he never gives up, he never surrenders, he never admits defeat. And um, and that leads into a little bit later in the episode. Then we have the whole shark thing where the title of the episode comes from. So there's a lot of ominous stuff happening that foreshadows his his demise at the end of the episode. Thinking back to the time when the episode was airing, too, you can sort of tell. Like, I, I'm not saying that I'm some, you know, huge survivor expert. And, you know, when the episode started, I was like, oh, Rupert's going home. But, I mean, it, it, it has a funky air to it at the beginning. And, you know, you have to remember, we're looking all of this through the lens of Team Rupert. Like, Rupert can do no wrong. Rupert's great. And then you kind of get this shot of Rupert, you know, at night, and he's talking to his wife. And it's all it's all kind of sad imagery, you know. And then, you know, he, there's the him trying to catch the shark, and he doesn't get it. I mean, it, it's all kind of this imagery of Rupert. It's not, And things are not quite right in Team Rupert camp. And uh, it's just going to go from there. Uh, one of the criticisms that's kind of been leveled at Rupert over the years is that he's real self-centered and kind of cocky. Like, like uh, he doesn't understand that people would cast votes for him. Like, this is his adventure. He doesn't understand that other people are trying to win, too. And there is a great quote right here at the start of the episode that kind of lends a little fuel to that, where he gives a little monologue about how everyone else is finishing in places of honor. They're going to be winners when even when they lose. I need to make sure everyone feels like they're, they have value when I vote them out. So it's one of those... Right there, that's kind of the argument where people kind of get on Rupert's case and saying he's a little self-centered. He gets a little cocky in this episode. All right, this is this is where they go into the baby talk, right? Where Rupert and Krista are doing all the baby talk. The baby, 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 baby. <laughs> and that's where John throws out the phrase that absolute power corrupts absolutely. Yep, and yeah. I would like to point out that the uh, baby talk between Krista and Rupert was still not considered as annoying as Lil at this point, but if you're on a sliding scale, so just throwing that out there. Oh, well, thanks, Mario. <laughs> I love you, Krista. <laughs> I want to place kisses down your neck. Wow. That's uh, yeah, quite, that's, that's erotic. But uh, you know, Rupert, <laughs> Rupert doing phone sex. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to do it, but it would be really funny. Where would you like me to touch you? <laughs> I'll do it. I don't care. I'm uh, placing wet nipples on your thigh. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so anyway, uh, right here, though, but you can see John, the 
the foot, the groundwork's being laid here. John is is clearly showing that he's fed up with Rupert and he's finally ready to make a move. And you you know, it's not like this whole season has really been like John going, I need to take out Rupert when I get the chance. But you know, John wants to, and you know, he's getting ready to. But I mean, I think John now sees now's the time to strike. He's got he can get the people, and uh, plans are going to start wheeling into place here. Yeah, John has a great quote where he says, "I'm being handed fourth place, and I don't like it. I don't want to be fourth place." And it's one of those things. In the early days of Survivor, you wouldn't kind of see that a lot. People would often be handed fourth and fifth place, and they wouldn't really proactively do much to change that. And it's one of the criticisms you hear all the time about the early seasons, that nobody would change their position. And that kind of changed last season with Rob Sesternino. He's like, well, I don't want to be fourth. I want to be first. So he'd switch. And here we go again with Fair Play, just doing exactly what Rob C. would have done. He's like, screw that. I don't want to be fourth. I want to be in the top two. So he, this is that's the whole impetus for the whole move here. Like, he knows he's not Sandra... Krista or Rupert, he's the fourth, and he's like, all right, me and Burton are going to go join the other team, and here we go. Let the fun begin. All right, this is the scene, uh, I'm trying to remember from the episode, the actual scene where the kind of coup d'etat, the overthrow happens, where Rupert goes out fishing because he sees a shark, and he's like, and I want him bad. I want him. (laughs) I want to place kisses on his neck. (laughs) All right, so, yeah, so Rupert's out fishing, and this is the big moment that they have. Krista and Sander are off doing baby talk, whatever they're doing. And so Burton and John make their move. They they grab uh, Dara, Tawana, and Lil, and this is the five right here. We're going to, like, right now, we've been at Rupert tonight. That's it. No more talk. We're done. This is it. And that's really kind of the key moment at the se- in this season up to this point. And all they're all trying to talk so fast, get this done. And here's Buzz Kill Lil in the background. He's like, now, ho- hold on, hold on. If they come to us, we have to, like, shut up, Lil. We get it. Like, let's just go. Like, stop trying to bring that down. Stop trying to kiss us. <laughs> I do remember the end of the scene where, yeah, they all make the deal, and then Lil has to finish it off by kissing everyone on the forehead. Yeah, because they're all – does she physically or does she give, like, a kiss to her hand and then put it on their forehead? Oh, like, yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> it might yeah, be but yeah, it's, it's still that. But, like, yeah. <laughs> stop doing that, Lil. <laughs> And again, this scene is great because if you listen to it, there's all this ominous music in the background. They cut to these guys making the plan. They cut out to Rupert trying to provide food to the tribe and then back to the plan and then back to Rupert. And this music just kind of builds. It's this really low. I can't even describe it. Jay, you're a music guy. Maybe you can describe it better. Just a real low, like uh, ominous tone kind of in this whole this whole little scene. Yeah, it's 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 the bass section of an orchestra, you know, like like low strings and and stuff like that. That's kind of giving, you know, just some real solemn chords that kind of just, you know, underlies everything. It's it's that kind of like uh, in a horror movie, you know, when mm-hmm. when the bad guys, you know, out on the horizon, like not not there because, you know, the music will swell or something like that. But it's kind of like the, you know, the power has been cut to the uh, to 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 the building or something like that. And, you know, and then people realize they're in trouble. It's that kind of music like, uh oh. Oh, shit. Here it comes. And, you know, I love the hurried bit by them. They're all like super glad that they made this uh, this play. And they're like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they're like fist bumping real quick and kind of going. It reminds me like jump way later in in Fiji when the four horsemen find that idol and they all like shush each other frantically. Like, why does that shit never happen as much in Survivor? And we get it filmed like I have imagined that like someone finds, you know, something fun or, you know, that comes up with a plan and like everyone just goes to like way too geeked out about it. But uh, this is a good geek out scene. But, you know, the plan's in place and it's done. I mean, this is the episode right there. They make this plan and it's going to stick through and the rest of it we just need to now watch play out and that's just a it's a fun episode to watch because instead of like trying to string us along the entire episode like oh it could be this person or it could be this person it's like you know if you're watching the episode correctly right now they're telling you rupert is going to go home in 35 minutes let's watch it play out 
Yeah, and absolutely. It's like a lot like the kind of the Roger uh, Sexton episode from Amazon. It's really early on. They telegraph who's going home. This is like 10 minutes into the episode at this point. It's really early. Mm-hmm. And Rupert's basically dead man walking the whole rest of the episode. And again, it's it's just from a storytelling editing perspective. You look at the Roger episode in Amazon, it's told as a comedic way because you're supposed to laugh. And that's no way, it's not even close to the way they tell it in Pearl Islands. Again, Greek tragedy. This is just one big downfall starting right now. And it's like, start your tears, America. Here's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they have the scene and then uh, we need to now go to the big pirate ship, right? Yeah, this is the one where, just to, draw, to twist the knife a little more in Rupert on his last day on the island, you know, Burton tells us, you know, if I win the reward, I'm going to give it to Rupert just because I want him to feel like we're all still on the same team. And I pro- told Rupert this, I promised him. So there's a, even, I mean, Rupert just gets shit on this entire episode. But he, Burton specifically even kind of builds it up. Oh, yeah, I'm going to give Rupert the war. And he tells him and everything. So there's a little more even going on than just the Rupert downfall that Rupert's about to get a couple of psychological hits to him, boy. It's this weird thing that happened because you know Burton gave Rupert immunity, you know, in, in the in the first one, you know, because it was totally unneeded on all those ends because Burton didn't need it because he had a immunity due to that outcast twist, and so he just gave it to Rupert, and Rupert's like, "That was very honorable." And then Rupert <laughs> won that breakfast reward. I'm gonna give it to Burton, you know, and and he does it for the honorable thing, and then and then Burton's like, "Well, yeah, Rupert, I'll give it to you," and Rupert's like, "That is very honorable." It's like, what the. F- <laughs> What's going on? This is Survivor for crying out loud. So get a room. Yeah. So you know, Bert, you know, and Burton explains later. Again, we're jumping ahead, but Burton's like, I don't want to give Rupert the reward. I don't want him to have any more strength than ever because I want to vote him out. But you know, now now you're breaking this honor pact of let's just give each other every fucking thing ever. It's like this is not how this game is. But uh, we got to get to this challenge. It's an obstacle course over a pirate ship. Like, how awesome is that? The most awesome part is old lady, old lady falling, and I think Lil, <laughs> Lil takes about four tumbles. There's some face plants. It is awesome. I actually rewatching this episode recently. I actually caught myself laughing out loud, loud at Lil falling flat on her face. Yeah, I think I think you get one of two. You either get the Jeff Prost wince, the ooh, you know, which is like he's really thinking like that he has to bring in medical. But he, the, the the comedic ones are always when it's like Lil takes a hard fall. Ooh, Lil takes a face plant. <laughs> when he's just monotonously narrating it, you're like, oh, now even Jeff finds that hilarious. There's also lots of Rupert upskirt shots on this one, which is something I think we all agree we needed, we needed way more of in Pearl Islands. Where yeah. Rupert would fall down, you'd get a nice shot right up his skirt, which was beautiful. Get the Rupert blur action. <laughs> yes. So uh, this is one where they're in teams. They're competing for, what, pizza and beer on a boat. It's like a fishing trip. Mm-hmm. And if I recall, uh, Burton and Lil win this one. Yes, and Lil like makes out with Burton. Oh yeah, this is a cl- classic moment. Everyone asks us about this. This is one I forgot to put on the funny one fifteen. Haunts me to this day because people always ask me about it, and I'm sure you know it, Jay, the one where she kisses him on the lips. Yeah, you know they they win they win at the end because you know it's an obstacle course. We got to get to the end, and they run in heats, and then there's a final heat, and it's Rupert and John, I believe, is a team. And uh, and Burton and Lil are the other team. Maybe I have that wrong, but I know Burton and Lil are, are clearly the team. And then they have to go through and get puzzle pieces, and then they have to put a puzzle together at the end. And Burton and Lil win, and Lil is so excited that they won. She starts, you know, hugging Burton because she's a hugger, and she starts, you know, giving him some kisses on the cheek and stuff like that because <laughs> Lil is a kisser. But she kind of doesn't stop, and so she keeps kissing him and kissing him, and the kisses are going like, you know, just it's all face kisses, almost like one does to a dog in a way. Like she's kind of kissing him. 
you know, like up in the head region and then kind of down on the cheek. And then she's, you know, migrating over to the mouth. And it's not like I think Lula is like trying to, you know, slip Bert in the tongue. She's just so excited. She's just frantically kissing him as much as ever. And it's just great because you see Burton get so fucking annoyed. Yeah, yeah that's where he screams, right? Yeah. Like, Quit doing that, Lil. <laughs> Quit it, Lil. <laughs> well, someone pointed out to me the beauty of that is. Not only is Burton annoyed that Lil kisses him, but she has apparently done it so many times in the past, he's had to warn her about it before. <laughs> Quit it! Quit doing that! <laughs> oh, yes. Uh. So, so Lil and Burton win the reward, and, you know, Burton is supposed to give the reward to Rupert because that would be the honorable thing to do. But Burton doesn't give the reward. At the last minute, he's like, fuck that. I don't want Rupert to get any more help before the challenge. So he gives it to John. So now we have... The wonderful romantic couple of John and Lil going on the pizza reward, which is right up there with Boston Rob and Kathy. Why does he give it to John? I mean, John's amazing, and John, you know, he just gives it to John. But, like, you know, if he wanted to not let Rupert not have it, he could just say, sorry, guys, I want to keep this one. I've never been on a boat. Or, you know, something like that. Like, you know, Lil, clearly Lil is, comes from, you know, not the, the richest background. So, you know, Lil does say this. She's like, I'm sorry, guys, I'm going to keep it. I never get the opportunity to go on an expensive boat. And it's like, that's legit. You know, yeah. like, as much as it is, that's a totally legit reason to keep that reward. You win the reward, you should be able to keep it without really much remorse. Yeah, and, like, no other season when like sean and pascal are rolling around the beach because they won that challenge they're like oh now are you gonna keep it or are you gonna give it to someone yeah and this in this one they're like trying to you know guilt people in there and, and lil's like i'm sorry i won this reward it's like go on the flipping reward for crying out loud but then like burton's like uh john go it's like what <laughs> by the way i have a great story about that this is something from directly from johnny fairplay himself <clears throat> he said if you watch pearl islands watch he, to this day, holds the record for the most rewards gone on in a, in a season. He's on, like, every single reward in this season. And he's funny because he's like, I never actually won any rewards. I would just beg people to take me on rewards. I'm like, well, if you win this one, you got to take me, okay? So we just cut all these deals. And, like, people never put two and two together that he got taken on every single reward. So John's like, watch, people just don't pay attention. They're always taking me on rewards thinking I've never been one, but I was on, like, every single one. That's good. Yes, yeah, so, so they get pizza. They go, but first we got we get the shot of as we exit the challenge. You just see Rupert glowering with his head down. Just it's just one more little psychological hit Rupert's going to take in this episode. Is this the last thing we see as we fade out from this challenge with John and Lil celebrating and Rupert with his head down, just daggers in his eyes. He's going to kill Burton. This is a rewatch versus a you had to have been there at the time thing because spoiler alert, ladies and gentlemen, for the rest of the season of Pearl Islands, you're going to get a shit ton of Rupert eye rolling. And it's like back at the time we were like, yeah, that's right. He's eye rolling for a goddamn good reason. And now you look at it and you're like, God, Rupert, seriously, cheer up, Charlie. (laughs) Yeah, this I forget if we go right to the reward, but we go back to camp, I think, first where this is where Rupert's like ripping that coconut husk apart or ripping some wood apart. And he's Mario, just, take it away. Yeah, he's just monologuing. He's like Milton in office space when they, you know, they take Milton's stapler away and he gets all pissed. I'm going to burn this place down. Like that's Rupert. Just He's ripping that coconut thing and, uh, and the ominous music's going on in the background and Rupert's like, this stinks of rot and death. So much rot and death here. <laughs> it's, a, it's one of these scenes that everyone seems to love. It's the rot and death speech. That's well, the last thing, last thing I give Burton. So yeah, vote. <laughs> give him a vote. Yeah, that's right. Well, and it's also during this this scene that the thing kind of comes up that he, you know, they're talking about, well, 
you know, he, he says, at least I have Lil in all of this. Lil, Lil will tell me what John says on the boat. And, um, and even Sandra kind of is, is doing her first kind of that we see her over, oh, you know, listening to people and saying like, well, supposedly John's going to work his magic on Lil the whole boat ride and, you know, cues him in on, on this. And so he's really putting all his faith in Lil here. And then we'll see it once he comes, when she comes back from the re- reward and says, oh, no, we didn't talk about anything about, you know, getting you out or anything like that. And he says, I now know I can trust Lil wholeheartedly. And then it's like, dun, 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 dun. Yeah, Lil's going to screw you over. Yeah. And one of the running themes here is that every single person who gets voted out, as Jay has alluded to earlier, it's kind of Lil's fault. And she's the one that really takes the blame for this. And that's one of, kind of one of these things where you hear so many people argue, well, Lil should have won Pearl Islands. I'm like, Lil was not going to win Pearl Islands because <laughs> every single person hated her and blamed her for their defeat. I mean, it's just... I've heard story after story after story from people behind the scenes. We'll have a lot more later in the podcast. But she was not going to win Pearl Island, so just disavow any notion in your head that she could have won a jury vote. She could not. I mean, Rupert totally blamed her for his defeat. This, and he's just one juror, and a lot were just like him. I, I, I said it before. Lil cuts a swath through this game that is the biggest swath that anyone ever cuts through. Are there people, you know, Lil correctly votes uh, post-merge. Lil correctly votes every single person out of the game. That's actually a good thing. You know, people who win the game do the same thing. They're in control of the votes and stuff like that. But they're doing it in surgical strikes. Uh, they're doing it with a smile on their face. You know, they're kind of doing good assassination stuff. Like, Lil's assassination skills is kind of like, you know, she has a megaton bomb and is dropping it in forests and just leaving just craters behind her. Like, this is not, this is not something where people are like, Oh my God, these people are getting picked off. I wonder if Lil has anything to do with it. It's like Lil's at the center of everything. And it's like she is responsible for everything. But also remember Rupert's breakfast, his beautiful breakfast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yes, Q, cut to the boat, and here's John and Lil enjoying Rupert's beautiful breakfast. Well, Burton enjoyed it before, but you know, I just love the. Oh, I'm getting it mixed up. Yeah, his his beautiful feet. My my, my beautiful, my beautiful breakfast. But yes, he's he's bemoaning that he's not on the boat right now. He should be on the boat. But cut to the boat, and they're on the boat. And John's like, Lil's like, I need explaining. I need help because you know Lil needs help. And John's like, All right, first Rupert. If Rupert's unavailable, Krista. (laughs) (laughs) There's a great scene. if you don't like, I mean, we love Lil as a character. I imagine she would be very hard to deal with in person. And there's a great scene on the boat that's a perfect example why where, where Lil's like, I'm such a bitch. And John's like, well, thank God. And she's like, don't say that about God. <laughs> <laughs> like, good Lord. <laughs> oh, yeah. And the problem is, is that she's thinking incorrectly on it, which is like the greatest thing. Yeah, because just before they go on the boat, she's upset that, you know, she didn't give up her reward. And the whole thing was that, you know, you get to go on the boat, you get to have pizza and beer. And then also there's some deep sea fishing going on. And this what this does is like John knows everyone knows like but Lil just does not understand. And no one takes the time to explain to Lil like the deep sea fishing. They're not like. This is not like some serious fishing expedition. Like, you know, if you go on one of those boats and pay a lot of money and stuff like that, most of the time, you you know, they, they put a line on the back, and most of the time you catch nothing. But sometimes you'll catch a big fish, and they'll help you reel it in, but then you let it go. Like, that's not like fit fish catching kind of thing. And Lil's just like, we have to catch fish and bring it back for Rupert. And it's like... That's not the point, Lil. That's that's never that never was the point. Like you're 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 worrying over nothing. Well, that's not a deal, Lil. <laughs> but that's 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 that that's not a deal, Lil. Yeah, this is this is the scene where we were introduced to what I call the Lil face, which is just Lil looking hangdog and sad and crying. And it will be in every scene the entire rest of the season starting right about here. 
<laughs> and then, yeah, so, yes. And I think there's a scene in there, a shot in there where Lil says, Sandra's looking at me like I'm scum. And what's funny is there's some truth to that. This, this is a story a lot of people have heard over the years where Sandra has even confirmed it herself, where towards the end of the game, Sandra would just wake up in the morning and curse Lil out for being even being there, just for being there. So that was like the first thing Lil would hear every morning was Sandra just cursing her around. So there's some truth to that. And Sandra, again, has confirmed that. She's like, oh, yeah, we would all do that. We just hated Lil. Well, luckily, uh, Lil can loosen up a little bit and drink, you know, a fourth of a beer. And then she's, you know, standing on the yacht saying, I am the Scoutmaster. I'm just like cracking a whip. I'm like, yeah. hey, let's tone it down there, lady. <laughs> All right, so we go back to camp, and this is where Sandra, I think, is spying on uh, John and Burton plotting. Oh, Sandra's spying. You yes. gotta love it. I have a great story. This is this is kind of an R-rated story, but this, I, I got this directly from Johnny Fairplay. This is the scene where Sandra spies on John and Burton. She hears them talking strategy. And I'd asked John about that once, like, did you guys get, I mean, was that bad that Sandra heard you and all that? And John's like, the funny thing is Burton and I never talk strategy ever. We never. That was like the one time the entire game where we go off and plot strategy and Sandra happened to catch us. He's like, most of the time, <laughs> I don't know if I'm supposed to repeat this. He goes, most of the time when we were talking, we were both talking about how we were going to hook up with Trishel from the real world and fuck her after the season. So that that was the one time that was they were talking about something other than that, and and uh, Sandra caught them at it. So that there is your insider scoop directly from Johnny Fairplay. Well, but then there's this one. In there. Wait, what's the difference between this one and the one that they have Tawana next episode? And maybe that's the one he's talking about. There's one okay. where it really did happen exactly like you see it in the episode. Right, because it's, like, it's like this episode's one where we get little bits of Sandra kind of you know starring her thing, and the next episode the really big one that she uses. But yeah. okay. But yeah, John said that the vast majority of his discussions with Burton were about Trishel and the real world because they were both trying to score with her. <laughs> lofty so goals, go. lofty goals. Exactly. Survivor not always as it appears on TV. Yep, and then they get back from the reward challenge and also the other the B, the B side of this is, I guess it's the A plot of the show, but uh, Mario and Paul talked about it earlier and it's it's uh, Rupert just going to Lil going, what is up? And, you know, and, and Lil's just like, we're all good. And it's like the worst lie ever. Like you look at that scene, that, that scene in the dark where they're like lying there and Rupert's asking her the questions. He's like, did you guys talk about strategy? And she's like, no, no, we're good. And like it's the worst acting ever, but Rupert's like, I believe that. 100 percent rupert's so invested in his own storyline he has to believe it there's no way he can't not believe it is it, it is it is 98 percent more genuine than the cow's milk that i enjoy <laughs> there's no rot and death in her promise <laughs> all right so here we come to the immunity challenge which is this is what i always rank in my more, most underrated challenges in survivor history this uh killer dart game Oh, the blowgun one, yeah. Yeah, not so much that the challenge is interesting, but again, just the way it's presented. And I would advise anybody who wants to see Survivor at its all-time best, just go watch this immunity challenge in this episode and the way the music builds and plays with your emotions in this scene. It's, it's fantastic. This one where they have to uh, they do the blow dart, you blow and you hit your own name and you become a killer, and after that you can start picking other people off. And, you know, it starts off normal. They're all, uh, the Drakes are picking off the Morgans. The Morgans are picking off the Drakes. And then, what is it? Burton becomes a killer. And Burton just, uh, does he get Rupert first? I'm going through my notes here. Uh, uh, yeah, the music in the challenge. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. Yeah, the music in the challenge, I just wrote, it's, it's fast music and it builds. It gets faster and faster and faster as the action's frantic. And then what happens is Burton nails Rupert with a triple. It's like the absolute pinnacle of the season where 
Rupert suddenly is being turned on by his allies, even where he's had no rec- no thought at any point during the season that a Drake would turn on him because they don't do that. They're the Drake. We stick together. And Burton nails him with a triple. And what happens is the music just stops. And it's such a great uh, manipulative challenge. I just love the music in this one. Again, it gets faster, 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 that triple. And then there's got a lightning crash and the music stops. And it's just absolutely perfect. It's yeah, it's really cool the way they do it, and just like I, I was really listening to this. As soon as Rupert's out, the way that that music goes is just like like the worst thing yeah. has ever happened in Survivor history. And then you think of like just like if you remove the music from that scene, it probably was really like kind of anticlimactic. Like boom, Rupert, you're out. Go sit down on the bench. But the way they mm-hmm. build it up with everything, it is like all is lost. <laughs> Yeah, it's like this chanting and like these big epic voices and stuff. And it's, the way I wrote in my notes, it's like the fall of Anakin Skywalker. That's the same kind of music. Like, oh, I, I can't do, do it just. But like this this uh, horrible chanting where something epic has happened, but it's sad and tragic. And that's that's the exact same thing you see in this challenge. And then and then once Rupert's out, Sandra accidentally knocks him out. That a lot of people forget that Sandra isn't what well, accidentally the one actually the one who knocks Rupert out. And then the whole tone of the, cha- the challenge changes. Now it's sad. Now we just cut to Rupert on the bench. The whole rest of the challenge as Burton dusts everyone and finishes them off. Shout out to Burton. I mean, uh, Burton is a character I feel gets lost uh, with everything. I think I'm going to make the case that you were trying to make in the Amazon podcast about Alex, where, you know, Alex is, you know, this uh, uh, forgotten, you know, badass and early survivor thing. I think people forget about Burton. Burton was flipping amazing. You know, yeah. He was amazing. And, you know, it's, it's unfortunate because, you know, he should have been out of the game because he was voted out, you know, what, you know, day 12 or whatever. First time Drake's go to tribal council and they voted him out because they were like, this guy is the real deal. And, you know, sometimes people get out like that. But he was given the chance, unlike a lot of other people that play the game, to have that chance to come back in the game. And, I mean, Burton is just, I mean, he's he's personable. He's good looking. He's a challenge beast. I mean, he is he's the he's the total package. He did very well for himself. Now, I got another little uh, insider thing about Burton where I asked John once about that. Did Burton change when he came back? And John's like, well, yeah, because he was a super nice guy. He was very you know, ethical at the start of the game, and he got voted out. He got blindsided, and he's pissed. And he comes back, and, and John's like, one of the great scenes you don't see in Pearl Islands is where Burton comes back, and he's like, all right, which one of you fuckers do I have to sleep next to tonight? Like right when he comes back from Outcast, and John invites him over, and then he goes, yeah, sleep next to me, Burton. And so the next morning, Burton's like, why did you vote me out, man? And and John's like, well, I got to tell you, my name's Johnny Fairplay. I'm here to do a lot of evil shit this season. And like, I like you. You're a good guy, but you're just not evil. Like, you're, you're a good guy and you don't really have any point in my plans. And Burton's like, well, I want to be evil, too. And so John's like, hi, my name's John Dalton. Nice to meet you. Let's play this game together. And that's really the tone for how it went the second half. Burton decided, he, well, I guess I got to be evil to play this good game. So he joined John and they became like an evil duo. Yeah, Burton wins immunity and he doesn't give it to Rupert because he's a son of a bitch. <laughs> Yes, he does. Son of a bitch. So Burton keeps the immunity. And there we go. Right back to the camp for the Rupert Death Watch, which is symbolized by one of the more disturbing images in Survivor history. And this is the one that we mentioned earlier, where there's a scene of a snake slowly eating and digesting a lizard, which yeah. will go on for about the next 10 minutes. And yes, it's really gross. So much. And it's, yeah, everyone remembers it. And it's just perfect for this episode. It's slowly dragged out. You see this lizard slowly being sucked into the snake's mouth. It's just it's just gross. And it's perfect for the rest of this episode. Yeah. So they get back there and then, you know, they're doing this. It's not scrambling because Rupert is still totally, you know, being blindsided. I mean, he Rupert can kind of see that he doesn't think that totally the vote is going to go to Dara. But like, 
you know, he thinks that Lil's on his side and he thinks it's going to be a 4-4 tie. He thinks that, uh, you know, uh, Bert and John, uh, D and T are on one side and that Rupert, Chris, Sandra and Lil are on the other side. And he thinks it's yep. going to be a tie. And uh, the vote doesn't go anywhere along those lines <laughs> um, it, at all. And in all fairness, Lil wanted to keep Rupert around because she loves that man. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll talk about Lil's problems at the end, I think. <laughs> okay. But uh, let's let's just put this as you know one of the more things to add to, to the to the exhibit against Lil. So we go to tribal council, and this is where we get the uh, awesome quote from Sander, where she admits we'd be ass out if it wasn't for Rupert. Ass out. This is her. Uh, uh, she gives her little uh, her Dr. Seuss ride right here. Yeah, I was going right, to say, is this, this is her back on John. Oh, this is the one. Yeah, that's yes. right. And let it be known that he takes a nap and, w- and wakes up late. I've yet to see him wash a dish or even clean a fish. And she is, like, shouting. I mean, Sandra's loud, but at this tribal council, she is, like, yelling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I have yet to see him wash a dish or even clean a fish. <laughs> and John's retort as well. You know, she gives me a... She gives me a headache. It's all about her. And then she starts doing that sassy nod. (laughs) She's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, bring it on, fucker. Bring it on. Just more Sandra John goodness. That's kind of buried in this bigger episode. But it's it's a little great character moments in this giant Rupert episode. Okay. So Rupert leaving is actually just fantastic television. We'll get to that in a minute. But, yeah, what's funny is that we think, you know, if if things are going how Rupert thinks they're going to go, this is a 4-4 tie. Four votes for Dara. Four votes for... uh, you know, whomever they think. Rupert, it was Dara, or, I think. Yeah, or, Dara. Yeah, Dara, Dara and, and I guess Rupert or, you know. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, whatever. But like, oh, no, they they were. Yeah, they were voting out Dara. And then, you know, whoever they thought was going Krista or whatever. Right. Rupert thinks it's going to be four to four. But what's funny is that, you know, clearly Lil is with John and Burton. So five votes go to Rupert. And that's the votes that kick him off. Rupert and Krista vote for Dara. Sandra votes for John. <laughs> yeah. You have to mark that against Sandra. What the fuck was she doing? Like this is this is again, it didn't matter. Ultimately it didn't matter. Like Rupert was going home. There was no way that Rupert, Krista, Sandra had any votes to do anything. But Sandra doesn't vote even with Rupert and Krista. Like, even if Lil had stayed with Rupert, you know what I mean? And just the four you know, Burton, John, uh, you know, uh, uh D and T voted for Rupert, he still would have gone home with Sandra voting for John. Yeah, I've never got the full story on Sandra's vote for John. I've heard her say, well, I was just pissed at John that night. And I've heard some people say, well, she knew Rupert was going and she was just trying to distance herself. I I have no idea. But, yeah, that's one of the more interesting questions in Survivor history. What the hell was Sandra thinking on that Rupert vote? I don't know, but Rupert gets voted out and someone take it away. Let's let's get Rupert's reactions here. (laughs) I cannot believe that just happened. (laughs) Yeah, it's just I mean, yeah, it's just, again, this ominous music. It's like a a tone of finality, like the season just ended. Rupert stands up. He slowly walks over. And Sandra, of course, is all shocked. And Rupert, you know, he gets his torch smuffed. And uh, and Rupert just kind of looks at probes and says, I cannot believe that happened or just happened. I forget exactly what he said. Did this whole scene seem longer to you? Like he gets voted out, like the whole bringing the torch to Propes was like a little bit extra long. You know, it was just like, oh no, Rupert's going home. That's the thing. I mean, you say what you want about Survivor editors. They know how to milk a big moment. This was a big moment and they milked it as well as any moment has ever been milked. 
Well, and then he has such a gracious, you know, goodbye speech. He really takes it well. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll use an example here. My friend Shandy, who is a, a listener to the podcast, and I know is listening to this right now, she watched all of Survivor, like, last year. She watched the entire series, so she, you know, didn't watch Rupert when he got up way back when. But I remember when she was watching it, she loved Rupert. It was her first time ever meeting Rupert. She wasn't sick of him. She wasn't tainted by, you know, all the, the bad stuff out there about Rupert. And she loved Rupert. Until he goes down here, and and then I remember I remember she texted me, listening to his final words, and said, "Okay, so much for my dreams, really. <laughs> like I'm kind of I'm kind of off the Rupert bandwagon now." Yeah, Rupert again was just so invested in his own storyline. He couldn't see that other people could have possibly had storylines too, and that's really I think the best way to describe him. He just saw it as this was the Rupert Redemption show, and he didn't get what he came out for. So so much for my dreams. I mean, that was, it. again, I just love the self-important final words. You know, I want so hard to be accepted by people. I never get accepted. I just don't fit. I just, I always get hurt trusting people. Shandy is a friend of the tribe, a Survivor podcast, Paul's uh, podcast. I'm on it now. Um, so, yay, Shandy, you're on, you're on Historians. Hi. <laughs> Shandy's, so kind of a, great. Shandy's kind of a podcast, podcast slut now. She makes it onto all of these, so. I'd like to meet her. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, that would be, I mean, this is it. So Rupert's swan song, he's gone, and of course, it's the uh, counterpoint to what Jay said earlier. Burton, you know, doing the honorable thing, and this is where Burton voted out Rupert, and you voted me out. That was not very honorable. <laughs> oh, Rupert! And you know, it's it's extra fun and extra delicious in the sense that you know we we see later in Rupert's forays, you know, how much you know the 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 close connection he has with his wife. And this is the episode he gets voted out just before the loved ones visit. <laughs> oh, oh, Rupert! You sons of bitches! <laughs> yes. Yeah, Look, luckily, Rupert will, will return as a completely neutral and impartial juror who we will not hear from again, so that'll be good. Right, and he will have several other successful forays into Survivor. Yes. Yeah. All right. Ugh. So, yeah, well, we're going to keep moving here. We have a lot. There's a lot to say about Rupert. We've got to keep moving cause, because not only do we finish up what I think is one of the top ten greatest episodes in Survivor history, of course, the next episode is the famous Dead Grandma episode, which... Many people, I'm not sure I would say the best one-two punch of episodes in Survivor history. I have a friend named Russ Bartlett, who I really trust. I like his uh, Survivor opinions. He's a smart guy. And he has always called these two episodes the best one-two punch in Survivor history. So that's one thing you always got to remember, that Rupert episode is right is followed right next by the dead grandma. It's a great one-two punch. Yeah, if I mean, they're both fantastic. In a lot of ways, I, I like the second one even better than the Rupert one, just because there's that element of predictability that goes down with Rupert, whereas if you walk away from episode, whatever episode Rupert goes out on, you think, okay, who's going to be next? If somehow mm-hmm. we're going to get from Rupert going to Tawana going, and then all <laughs> yeah. the other names that get thrown out in between there, it's, it's freaking nuts. It's one of the great... This is a great Survivor trivia question. If you want to stump your friends, you have friends that think they know Survivor, say, who was voted out in the Dead Grandma episode of Pearl Islands? Because nobody will ever get that it was Tawana. It's like the most random boot. I mean, it's a huge, important episode, yet you get the most meaningless boot that added nothing to the season at the end. It's one of the things that people kind of forget. Yeah, it's it's a meaningless boot on one hand, but on the other hand, it... It just shows that, you know, Rup- as much as we make fun of it, Rupert's boot is kind of the linchpin of the season because, you know, this is where John and Burton take control. But John and Burton are not, I mean, John and Burton are true to each other, 
right? And they've got Lil strung along, but like, you know, they used D&T to kind of get Rupert out, but you know, now they're casting him aside. Like, th- this is truly chess piece stuff from here on out, and, mm-hmm. uh, and it, it's just a, it's a great way to go, and it's, you know, that they turn something on T at the end, and, and she's the one that has to go. There's actually some really good backstory drama, or back drama at the, in the back half, like after the whole loved one slash dead grandma stuff, which of course is the lead of the episode and is incredible stuff. Number one, Funny 15, episode, or, uh, or version one. That's right. Big hand. I got a lot of flack for doing that, too. We'll talk about that when we get there. But it took a long time to sell people on the fact that the dead grandma scene was funny. It was That was not how it was seen at the time. Which is funny because my personal affront to it was that, I mean, as you were coming out with this list and, you know, coming out with the, uh, you know, because you started with 115 and were kind of worked toward number one. And I just sat there and said, how can dead grandma not be number one? But I guess that's yeah. how I think. Yeah, exactly. And that was the thing with my, my, my opinion, too. Okay, so we go to the start of the episode here, and I know Paul would like to talk about this, because Sandra, of course, reacts with quiet dignity that her friend Rupert has been voted out. Yeah, Sandra just, you know, she just slips into the woodwork, and you never know Sandra's there. Just <laughs> Under the radar. It's just, there's so many good quotes from Sandra here, just, you know, just opens up. She is just yelling up a storm, and, and I sometimes even forget the, the, the sequence of it all, because there's so many great quotes there, and, and my favorite those right right at the beginning when she's ripping John and she's saying, you know, like, I hope these ladies turn on you. Can't nobody trust this, that bitch right there. Every time Where's... there was a plan, you put it together. Where's that snake motherfucker, John? Yeah, where's that snake motherfucker, John? Can't nobody trust that bitch right there. That That is how Johnny Fairplay should sign his Christmas card at the end of every year. The snake motherfucker, comma, John. Yeah, and then uh, and what's funny is she starts out mad, and then she gets even madder when the fish gets thrown out. And they say, Sandra, did you throw out the fish? No, I'm hungry. What the fuck am I going to do with throwing the fish out? She's like, I couldn't no. do it. I was screaming. Yeah. She's like, no, I'm fucking hungry. Why did I, what did I do throwing the fish out? <laughs> she starts out mad, and then she kicks into a higher gear of mad. Something I didn't remember while, and this was something that I, you know, didn't really catch on the rewatch is that, you know, we're. At the time, you know, we're basking in the wake of, of of Rupert leaving. And then we get this scene, right? And they come back and and Sandra's going ballistic and ape shit and stuff like that. And then they realize that the bucket of fish is is missing. It's it's gone. It's you know, and the fish have been dumped out. And I just forget how hard they come down on Krista. Yeah. I mean, they come down really hard on Krista and they yell at her and Krista's just cryingly defending herself. She's like, I didn't do it. I, I, I didn't throw out the fish. And it's like, you know, they're, they're doing this thing. And then they, they, they go to sleep. They wake up and they're then still yelling at Krista. <laughs> well, this is the thing. Like people talk about the dead grandma lie being so unethical. But, you know, in my opinion, I'm a huge Sandra fan. But like throwing out the fish, letting your best friend take the blame for it, and letting her get yelled at for 24 straight hours without once coming to her aid, I would say is way more unethical than the dead grandma thing, to be honest. Well, yeah, Sandra, I mean, she's just merciless here. This is, if you wanted to call her a villain, I could see from this scene, because she totally sells Krista out. And of course, it's, you know, Sandra's kind of a mercenary. She's just looking out for herself. That's why she wins. So I can see why she does it. But there's actually some real savvy gameplay in here from Sandra, if you pay attention, where all of a sudden they're kind of noticing, well, Sandra, you were over there, you were over there, you know, by the fish, maybe you threw it out. And that's the one point Sandra could have been caught, because as we know, she is the one who threw out the fish. And she starts screaming with John and gets an argument with him. And she says later, well, you know, that argument with John saved my skin because that distracted people from the fact that they were actually telling the truth. So 
it's one of those things when she's screaming at John, she's not necessarily that mad at him. I mean, she's mad, but she's doing it strategically just to distract. It's like the opposite of a sepia. She wants more drama. If there's people are onto the scent that they're going to vote her out, you should create more drama than everyone kind of forgets about it. That's exactly what she, she does here. She and Vesepia are like complete opposites. Like they have the same kind of like type of gameplay as far as like moving where I need to move and stuff. But as far as like when it comes to being noticed or not, it's like Vesepia goes so low under the radar you never see her, and Sandra goes <laughs> so above the radar you can't see her. Yeah. So, um, yeah. But I love what they do with the scene too, actually, because. We don't know it's Sandra until the next morning, which is great because, like, you're watching, you're like, yes. okay, well, who did it? Like, you know, was it Krista or, you know, what is it here? And then that shot in the morning when they finally find the fish and stuff, we get that shot of Sandra walking by the camera, or, you know, gives a little look to the camera, like, ooh, yikes. Yeah. <laughs> and her explanation is really funny because later on in the season, we see that Sandra is not. Um, She's not above sabotaging things. This yeah. is this is this is something completely within her realm. But you know, she she finally gives a confessional and she's just like, I came back and I got the fish and I was like, no one's gonna enjoy Rupert's fish. And I walked around and then I tripped and I <laughs> fell and all the fish fell out. And I was like, did you trip and fall? Did you throw it? Like you know what? Like was she just gonna move the fish or hide the fish? But then the fish you know spilled. Like either way, Sandra intended on on sabotaging the fish. And what's funny is that they literally like. That's that's the the beauty of Sandra in the sense that like Sandra got away with dumping out the fish because she was yelling at John while she was committing the act of getting rid of the fish. And they were like, Sandra, you were in this area. She's like, no, I was yelling at John. And they were like, oh, that's true. She was yelling at John. Like they, it never crosses their mind that like she's yelling at John and disposing of the fish at the same time. Like what cold hearted person would do that? Uh, Sandra. I prefer to think that she's so unathletic that she couldn't even walk with a bucket of fish and she somehow just tripped. <laughs> Although it's funny, it's something you brought up that Sandra likes to uh, sabotage stuff. Like later in the, in the season, a lot of people don't remember this, but Sandra's going to, I'm going to hide the machete, I'm going to hide the fishing net, I'm going to hide the spear. Like That sounds awfully familiar to Russell Hans. So I'm just pointing out just another little piece of ammo in the whole Sandra versus Russell nation uh, debate. Sandra kind of did that first, so Russell just kind of stole her shtick. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Ooh, burn. But anyway, <laughs> we get the thing. And I mean, again, poor Krista. She's just under fire. She's like, I can't prove that I didn't throw away the fish. And it's like, you can't. And, you know, it's tough because I really think that Rupert's boot and this accusation of Krista just broke Krista's brain. Yeah. And uh, she's going to have a quote a little bit later, which is going to drive me nuts. Uh, but we'll get to it when we get there. But like poor Krista, she just everything came down on her hard. But we get to go to the reward challenge, a seemingly innocuous reward challenge. <laughs> yes. The family visit. What I love about this, this scene, if you watch, they're all sitting there on the bleachers overlooking the ocean or whatever. And Jeff says, this is the family visit from home. And if you look, Johnny Fairplay starts cheering and clapping so enthusiastically on the lower left. He's so <laughs> excited because he knows what's about to happen. So just watch for that little detail that when Jeff announces it. They're all like, oh, and, Je and Johnny gets the biggest uh, shit-eating grin on his face and starts clapping. It's great. This, this family reward challenge, again, it's tough because the whole dead grandma thing is so huge. And I don't want to downplay it because it is so huge. But there is so much good shit in this family. This is like an A++++ family reward uh, or family visit episode, not just for Johnny Fairplay, and especially for Johnny Fairplay. But all of the other things is just great as well, like everyone else. Like Sandra's husband comes out, and there's a nice moment Burton's mother. And then, like, <laughs> like Tawana's high school sweetheart, but now good friend, you know, Billy. It's like... That's the best you could do, T. 
and then and then you know Krista's fiance, and you're like, did I expect Krista's fiance to look like the whitest guy on the planet, or did I not? I don't know. It's Fred Savage. <laughs> it is. That's, that's so good. That's right. Uh, Her luxury item was Paul Pfeiffer. <laughs> yeah, you know. During that whole challenge, uh, Dara's boyfriend performed so poorly. I think <laughs> that I think that Tawana's um, high school sweetheart and now good friend would have would have answered Dara's questions more accurately <laughs> yeah. than Dara's boyfriend. Oh God, we're gonna get into all that. Yeah, Dara comes out with her boyfriend's touching, and you know Lil's husband Lonnie comes out. It's all a great thing, but of course, all of this you know lovey huggy moment and stuff like that pales in comparison to John, your friend Dan. <laughs> your friend Dan. Yeah, everyone has a love one and they're like oh and here's your your good friend thunder dan and dan comes out with his little prance and the, the, the peace signs a little fair play thing it's just again i don't see how people can't find this scene funny even back at the time i'm like even if you don't like the dead grandma thing you have thunder dan delivering the news i mean this guy if you anyone who's going to deliver sad news about your grammy this isn't the guy you want to be delivering it to so yeah thunder, thunder dan comes out with a pro wrestling strut and he comes out and john johnny is like final seven and then they give each other a hug and it's great because they come out and they're like just so excited and blah blah, blah. and like johnny has to prompt him which is the best you know johnny's <laughs> like oh wait dude how's grandma <laughs> oh this i have some behind the scenes stuff on this one too a lot of people have heard this story but apparently when thunder dan came out he didn't remember to lead off with the grandma he had forgotten that this was in t- john's entire game plan so thunder dan comes out and the first thing he says was hey roddy piper got fired and John's like, I don't give a fuck about Roddy Piper. So John said, if you watch, when he's whispering in my ear, that's what he's telling me about. And so John, John is the one that has to prompt him. John's like, hey, how's grandma? And, and Thunder Dan's like, yeah. And, and uh, Fair Play explained it to me once. He's like, the way you see it on TV, it's like, dude, she died, dude. John's like, he said dude like two more times. And John's like, dude, could you get any fucking more dudes in my death notice, please? <laughs> so what happened is it came off so goofy like, oh, dude, she died. Like, John actually had, you don't see this on TV, but he actually had to throw a shit fit where he, like, broke down. He said, I don't want to play this fucking game anymore. I just want to go home. I just want to, like, I just want to see what happened to my grandma. Fuck this game. Fuck Survivor. So John said, I had to to basically salvage what Thunder Dan did because he came out with a completely wrong tone and nobody would have bought it. So John had to go on a little rampage for, like, 10 minutes off camera about how this game was bullshit and he didn't want to play it anymore because he had to go home. So there's a lot you don't see in that. I don't understand what's not so credible about she died, dude. <laughs> she died, dude. <laughs> yeah, could you put some more fucking dudes in there, please? <laughs> yeah, and then uh, Thunder Dan's like, did you get the letter? And I asked Fairplay about that. He's like, yeah, letter. Like, how was I going to get a letter? Like, Thunder Dan completely blew all of his part on that script. So it's all it's all Fairplay trying to salvage it and make it out. I was like, letter? How was I going to get a letter? That wasn't Mar- in the plan. Mario, his grandma just died. <laughs> <laughs> John hurts as much as anyone. <laughs> yeah, of course you can count on Lil to buy it, hook, line, and sinker. So we get this scene. Obviously, what we see on TV is, you know, she died, dude, and you see John, you know, didn't you get the letter, blah, blah, blah. So then they get back there, and, you know, Jeff's like, John, what's going on there? You know, like totally, like, monotonous, straight face, and John's like, well, you know, it was either going to be my grandma or my buddy, and my grandma's not out here for a reason. Yeah. Why is that? She's a... Uh, She's not around. And you see Lil just crash, and you see, like, Burton's hand come in, Tawana's hand come in. There's one person that's just looking off the complete opposite direction. Who would that be? Changa. <laughs> yeah, Sandra. Sandra's like, fuck that. Yeah, John's like, I just hope I can win this challenge and I can get a little more info. <laughs> so, 
And so it's great because they start the challenge and they're all agreed that they're going to let John win. And then Sandra answers the first question right. And the very first person she sends to walk down the plank is, fair plays, buddy. Which is just completely shatters the somberness of the scene. <laughs> just like, I, have, I have about a million questions I want to get, <laughs> I want to get yeah. answered here. And, you know, that there's some discrepancy behind that scene. I've, I've heard two variants of that story. And... One of the variants of the story is maybe my all-time favorite Survivor story, so I'm going to tell it. But I've also heard it's not true. So I asked Sandra once about this. I'm like, did you know that Johnny Fairplay's grandma wasn't dead? Like, it seemed like you knew in the episode that that was BS. And she told me, she's like, yeah, because when he came out to the island the first day, like the first couple of days, all he would talk about was his grandma who died before she before he left for the game. And she's like, he just talked about this. Oh, she died, she died, she wanted me to win, blah, blah, blah. And so she's like... So they get to the family visit, and then this guy comes out and says, well, your grandma just died, and John starts crying. And Sandra's like, and I immediately thought, there's no way that bitch lost two grandmas. So that's, that's, that's the version from Sandra, which is my all-time favorite Survivor story, I think. But I asked John about that, and he's like, no, he, he disputes that. So it's one of these things, it's a he said, she said. John's like, no, I had the whole thing set up where my grandma was dying. She hadn't died. And he goes, we had these prayer circles around Drake every night, like me, Trish, Burton. We'd gather around, we'd pray for my grandma because she was sick. And it was he goes, I had it all set up where <clears throat> she was my loved one from home, and she was going to come. And if something happened to her instead, my friend Dan would come. So they, he built this up. So he's like, so Sandra thought my grandma was dead. She just wasn't paying attention. So it's one of these... You have to decide which version of the story you want to believe. But in the episode, that's how it's presented, where Sandra's just like, bullshit, I know he didn't lose two grandmas. Fair play's buddy. She sends fair play's buddy. You know, and, and I think that's the main, one of the biggest skills that Sandra has more than anything else. Sandra is remarkably perceptive. She's played the game twice, and in both instances, you can see how perceptive she is. She can see, you know, kind of the winds of the camp. Uh, obviously, she's voted wrong a couple times. She voted with Rupert. Uh, well, she voted for John, but you know she was she was on the team Rupert side and stuff like that. But you can see here she she smells out Fair Play's bullshit more than anybody else. Does she do anything with your information? No, I mean her husband goes out first because everyone wants Fair Play to win, and she kind of ganged up on him. But uh, yes, the the long and the short of it is is that Fair Play's buddy is going to win this challenge, and Fair Play is going to win the challenge. But let's before we get there, let's talk about the performance of some of the people with some of the <laughs> questions in this challenge. the The challenge is simple. Uh, the loved ones are on a plank with 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 several sections on it. They're both writing down a question. It's it's a it's a it's a match game, newlywed match game kind of between the loved one and the survivor, where it's like they're going to ask a question about the survivor. Both of them are going to write their answer down on a chalkboard, and then they have to compare answers. If they're the same, then they get a chance to move one of the other loved ones down the plank, basically. Some of these people don't do so well. Dara, Dara and her boyfriend. Holy shit. Yeah, I think they met each other at the airport on the way out to Pearl Islands or something. <laughs> he was dumped on his way f- on the flight home. Holy God. Well, what I remember about that ch- that challenge is, is when we learned that Burton's nickname is Burton. <laughs> That's also good. <laughs> <laughs> and I think this is the first time in Survivor history where we hear that Sandra's nickname is Changa, which is how she's routinely referred to nowadays if you go to any message board. And it all stems from this challenge. That's where we learned that's her nickname. She is Changa. Like Sandra and her husband are, are in in sync. They both say Changa, and then it's what is the survivor's favorite prepared home cooked meal? Um, you know, rice and beans, arroz con gandules. But like um, some of these people, like what I love is what I love is that Tawana and her friend get don't get a whole ton of them right, and it's like Tawana's like like it's almost like she's looking at her, at her friend's board and going, I should have written that answer. <laughs> yeah. 
You know, like she's just like, I'm going to say, you know, chicken and mashed potatoes. And she's like, oh, Grandma Jay's mac and cheese. Oh, yeah. Oh, I forgot that. It's it's like, boy, Billy knew her better than she did. And then, you know, and then then Dara's boyfriend, you know. Oh, Oh, and Dara's nickname. Don't forget her nickname. Nub nut. Nub nub nut. No, it's DJ, which is apparently Dara's boyfriend went to the Andrew Savage School of Nickname Giving. (laughs) By the way, uh, this is a little trivia. I just looked up changa on a uh, Spanish dictionary. Be curious what it means. In, in English, it translates to, I was hungry. What the fuck am I going to yell at him for? <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> Ooh, good joke. You know, Big Lil, Lil can't spell spaghetti right. And, you know, steak, of course, for the thing. I love that, like, Fairplay and his buddy get a lot of questions right. That's really good stuff. Thunder D and Fairplay on target. <laughs> That's right. And then... All throughout this challenge, a little dig. People taking digs at John, or John and Sandra sniping at each other, and and Lil, of course, right there to always bring it right back to his grandmother just died. Sandra. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Lil is kind of the undisputed or like the unsung MVP of the scene because she keeps bringing it back to the dead grandma thing, even when it <laughs> threatens to go somewhere else. Oh, leave it to Lil. It's the worst day of John's life. We all support him. And there's a great, okay, so yeah, so they all agree to let uh, John win the challenge, and he wins, and Thunder Dan comes over, and <clears throat> and there's a kind of a, a forgotten great quote in there where, where uh, what is it, where Jeff Probe says, yeah, John's lost about 30 pounds, and Thunder Dan looks at him and says, really? I thought he gained 10. Yeah. <laughs> One of the little quotes that I like. By the way, Thunder Dan is a fan of the show, so we're, we're friends with him, so we're, we're big fans of his. Well, yeah, because Thunder D is a star. My God, this is just a fantastic scene. I mean, yeah, he biffs up the thing, but John covers up for him. But, hey, you have to, you know, they have to throw the challenge. But, like, Thunder D and and John get quite a few, at least on camera. I mean, I don't know how many questions they asked off camera. But, you know, Thunder D and John, simpatico. Like, well well done to both of them. And I got to point out here that, uh, you know, John has said before that he wasn't really a big Survivor fan. Thunder Dan was the big Survivor fan, that John kind of learned a lot of Survivor from him. So John said, I was trying to figure out some way to make this, you know, this family visit a strategic way to, like, improve my game. And he said, not only do I have the dead grandma thing, which, of course, gets sympathy, but, like, this guy's a Survivor expert. So I wanted him to come out, and basically we'd talk strategy. So it was like my midterm report card. This guy would come out there. I'd give him a report on everything that happened to the game, and this guy apparently knows everything about Survivor. So John's like, it was more than just a friend coming out. It was like it was like I had a Survivor expert. I didn't have to waste that trip on a loved one. I could bring out a Survivor expert who could like give me advice. So like, John was just thinking way outside the box at a time when a lot of players weren't back then. Yep, so John wins, you know, and we, it was a great, great setup because everyone else, you know, the, the winner got to go back to camp with the with the loved one and spend a couple hours with them. And then the other, the rest of the tribe mates had to go somewhere else just, you know, and just sit there for a little bit. And we get, it's it's good, good editing, good camera work because we get the other tribe and they're sitting there and, you know, they're there's rotten ass coconuts and stuff like that. And they're just, you know, having a general miserable time just for a couple hours. And But, you know, Lil puts it in his perspective and says, well, you know, we have to give it to John. John has to get information. You know, we have to let him do that. And, you know, it's it's the whole touching thing of, you know, we're doing this for John. Cut to camp. Yeah. It's like my grandma's at home watching Jerry Springer right now. <laughs> and that's the thing a lot of people forget. Like the audience wasn't clued in that this was a lie until the reveal right here. It was like the second part. You didn't really know it was a lie until now. Excellent performance, my friend. Yes. And a good job to you, too. <laughs> yes. 
And then John has a great quote besides the Jerry Springer quote where <clears throat> this is something I think a lot of people forget. I mean, especially at the time, like I said, I ranked this as the funniest moment in Survivor history through the first 11 seasons. I had no qualms with that. I don't think anything else was even close. But so many people just absolutely hated the scene. They just could not fathom that someone would do this on TV. But John has a great quote here where he says, you get one chance at a million dollars. You're a fool if you don't take every advantage. And he's absolutely right. And that's something a lot of people don't really or didn't really grasp at the time, that this was a great strategic move because he thought so outside the box. He used this this predictable part of the game, something that's so sappy and such an, uh, an important moment in the TV episodes, and he used it as a strategic advantage. Now he has something he could swear on when he's lying to people. Oh, I swear to my grandma. Oh, sympathy, have sympathy for me. You guys want me to do well. All this sort, sort of stuff. Bringing in a survivor expert as his loved one. I mean, he was just working it. He was a fantastic player, and he's really never gotten the credit for it. Everyone kind of breaks the game at some point. We've talked, you know, we're seven seasons in. The Historians podcast has talked about the previous six seasons. And we talk about how, you know, people kind of learn from mistakes. Um, the coconut chop challenge is, is a good example. You know, Rotu screwed up the cho coconut chop challenge in Marquesas. And that taught everyone else playing the game that maybe you shouldn't go along such uh, alliance lines and you know most time most of the time they they adhere to that sometimes people haven't watched survivor and they screw it up today which is why they still do it from time to time because people forget but like they don't do fallen comrades anymore because vesepia broke fallen comrades like first the africa screw up with the question but then vesepia goes out there and writes everyone's freaking life story down in a journal and memorizes it so that mm -hmm. she can win that challenge like vesepia broke it and john in a way broke the loved ones challenge they still do the loved ones because it's you know great and uh, great TV and all that sort of stuff. But I mean, Survivor does their homework now before they bring loved ones out mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And uh, now you know if 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 you're thinking like this, like I'm going to go on Survivor and I'm going to have someone come and tell me that you know a loved one of mine has died. I don't think anyone's going to believe that person anymore now that Johnny Fairplay has you know broken that ground and kind of shown everything like that. But you're right. I mean, John is right. You you can exploit any part of the game, and John chose to exploit the loved one challenges, which is a little more asshole than, you know, writing everyone's life story down in a, in a journal and memorizing it. But yeah, all advantage to Johnny Fairplay. In fact, what you said, that people are skeptical of the dead one, a loved one dying at home. If, flash forward to China, where uh, Todd comes out and you find out Todd's sister had a miscarriage. Mm -hmm. And remember, no one believes it. Mm -hmm. They're even saying this is like a Johnny Fairplay move. So mm -hmm. John Fair, I mean, he really had a big impact on the family visit in particular because everyone's skeptical now. And he was the first one to really break that challenge. It's such a shame that they couldn't work him into All-Stars because that would have been the only time he could have pulled the prank twice. <laughs> yeah. And he says it. He says it in the Pearl Islands reunion show. He's right. like, yeah, in All-Stars, my grandpa's going to die. And the audience just like, boo. <laughs> it's this great, awkward moment. All right. Yeah. So we're just we just cut to uh, John and Thunder Dan now gloating over there that they've basically taken over the show. In fact, one of the producers I heard even pulled John aside after this episode and said, when they found out the dead grandma was fake and they're like, congratulations, this is your show. Now you've officially taken over survivor. And it, it's true. And what we have is Dan and, and John gloating about it. And John's like, you know, this could easily go down as the dirtiest thing done in the game, this fake dead grandmother. And there's a great exchange where thunder Dan's like, your grandma's going to hate you. And he's like, my grandma's going to love it. <laughs> Oh, that's fun stuff. 
it's just it's just magical. I, I don't know if we can talk any further about it because I don't know how much more justice we can do to the scene. If you've not, for some reason, watched Pearl Islands and or the Dead Grandma, the Great Lie, Episode 11, what the hell are you doing? Go watch it right now. It is just great stuff. Yeah, it's I at the time I said that is by far my favorite thing I've ever seen happen on TV. I mean, it was just so outside the box and so creative. And again, the ethics, blah, blah, blah. I don't, I couldn't care less. It was just creative and it was just something different on Survivor. And it was, it was funny. Like I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Andy Kaufman. Andy Kaufman's one of my idols and it was such an Andy Kaufman move. And it's funny because the number two, maybe favorite thing I've ever seen on TV was the Andy Kaufman wrestling match and with Jerry Lawler back in 82, which was the same type of deal. And yeah, it's funny that I, I saw this happen on TV. I'm like, uh, Andy Kaufman would have loved that. It was like this biggest prank. He's pranked everyone on TV. And it's one of those things people would always say about Andy Kaufman pranks at the time. Like, they're not funny now, but they'll be funny in five years. And that's exactly how I thought when I saw Dead Grandma. I'm like, this thing is going to be so funny in about five years. It's just going to take that while for people to appreciate it. And it's funny, the first time I ever talked to Johnny Fairplay, I'm like, you're a big Andy Kaufman fan, aren't you? I'm like, he's like, absolutely. And it's funny, we just totally hit it off because we're both Andy Kaufman fans. We both realized what he did with this Dead Grandma thing that he he basically he took over the show. He made the show about him. He he did something on Survivor that no one else will ever be able to do again, that he basically beat the system. It now became the Johnny Fairplay show. And that, Paul, is why Andy Kaufman was a better comedian than Matthew Von Ertfelde. Because <laughs> Andy Kaufman jokes take five years to be funny. Exactly. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm still waiting. There might still be a few zingers coming my way from Matthew way back in 03. <laughs> so we'll see. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, after this scene, I, I know I don't want to – I feel like we've done it as good a justice as we could do. we got to move yep. on here. But uh, then we get – this is the scene where, where John and Burton are talking at night, talking strategy about what they need to do and all that sort of stuff. And Sandra eavesdrops, and then she pulls Tawana out of bed and brings Tawana over, and they're eavesdropping on Burton and John talking strategy. Yeah, which is funny because indirectly Sandra gets Tawana voted out. Good job, Sandra. <laughs> yeah, again, but this is the thing. Sandra does, she's perceptive. She knows John and Burton are going off and talking about them. She pulls Tawana over to listen to it, but then, you know, uh, Tawana gets voted out. It's like, you know, Sandra's got good instincts, got good things, but can't, Sandra can't affect anything herself. Like, the winds yeah. go to vote out Tawana, and Sandra's like, all right, fine. Well, I'm going <laughs> to give Sandra a little bit more credit here, because I love what Sandra says in her interview, that that she she knows that she herself cannot convince Tawana to flip and so she says you know she says um I want her to hear with her mouth with the words coming out of their mouths rather than her to listen to me and for her to have doubts and I think what ends up happening in this episode which I think is discussed on the Pearl Islands DVD commentary I think is that Tawana got herself voted out here because I think once the plan happened Tawana and Dara were game to team up with Sandra and Krista they were going to take out Burton and what Tuana tells Burton, which doesn't make the show, was that Tuana tells Burton, you better pack up your shells. And Tuana kind of lets this power go to her head and kind of yeah. threatens Burton with it. And so it's more of Tuana self-destructing than anything. Yeah. In the episode, they make it look like John is the one who does it all because he pulls in Sandra and Krista. But yeah, you're right. Technically, Tuana kind of sabotages herself. And they don't really show it in the episode because there's so much dead ground and stuff they wanted to show. Yeah, Tawana's boot really isn't explained much. Just it's a very forgettable ending to this episode. Mm-hmm. Speaking of forgettable, now we get the immunity challenge where where it's one of the stupidest immunity challenges ever. Hey, a thirteen-year-old made that challenge, Mario. <laughs> oh my God, I knew you were going to bring that up. Yeah, this is the word search where 
at the end, I think only two people are left because four people have managed to get themselves disqualified, and Probes has also fucked up and accidentally awarded the win to someone who didn't win. Yeah, so it's, it was- the, it's the only interesting thing about the challenge. We can gloss over this really quickly. If you forget, the survivors were given three words. I believe they were given uh, uh, Survivor Pearl Islands. And with those three words, they get little tiles, and they can play with the tiles, but they've got a chalkboard, and basically they need to write down like three-letter words, four-letter words, five-letter words, six-letter words, and then seven and above, and they've got different slots for it. And you need a certain amount of, of, of words and of each of these letter variances or letter lengths. And then once you've got it all correct, you have to say you're done. Probes will come over and check your board. If you're right, you win. If you lose, you're out. And then we just go until someone wins. And the only thing interesting about it is that a bunch of people get out because they can't spell shit right. <laughs> Which it's not it's not gripping TV, man. I tell you, it's horrible. Although to this day, I will never misspell liaison because of this. No, that is so true. That's how I learned how to spell liaison. Mm -hmm. L I A I. But yeah, Mario, you said you said you thought there were uh, two people left. There was actually you're right. There was um, Dara, Sandra, and Lil didn't count because she sucks so bad at that challenge. Couldn't spell spaghetti (laughs) earlier in the episode. And I think after the time trial thing, she only got ten words. So yeah, there were two people actually competing for immunity. Well, yeah. what's interesting about this challenge is they show probes giving the win to the wrong person and then screwing up and reversing yeah. it. That, that, and what's that, weird is, why did they show that? There's no reason they had to show that. They could have just cut to saying, oh, Darrow wins. I think, it, I don't know, but I think it's because they had to explain that, you know, because it was a different sort of thing. Like, this one was you had to fill your board up, you know, with, with, with certain things, right? And then so yeah. Bert, Burton is rewarded the victory. John gets out on a misspelling. Uh, Krista gets out on a misspelling. And then Burton wins, and then, you know, he gives Burton the the, the immunity uh, sash sword, yeah. the immunity sword. They're walking away, and then, yo, survivors, come back. And then he comes back, and he's like, this liaison's not spelled correctly. There's an extra I in there. So he's like, Burton, you, you're out, and you don't get immunity. And uh, John, you're still out, and Krista, you're still out. So the three remaining people, mm-hmm. or whatever, he's like, what we're going to do is, you know, you guys are going to, I'm going to give you three new letters, and you're just going to come up with, you know, four letter words and above, and it's going to be like a minute or two minutes long. And then whoever has the most words at the end of it uh, wins immunity. Is that fair? And they all say fair and they all go. And what's funny is that Dara wins this immunity. And I don't really want to knock so much on Dara, our nub nut. But like you saw her in that first part of the challenge, like she had like she couldn't get any words like over five letters. Like if you looked at her board, like because the left part of the board is kind of like the three or four letter words. And then kind of the right column of the board was like the five and six and seven and above letter words. Like she has nothing in that right column. Like every word she she's got, is like a four letter word. And then this next part of the challenge is come up with four letter words. And she dusts everyone. So you can what, see she get, like 14. Yeah, she got 14. She like excelled in the four letter word category. Well, it's good because she knows exactly 14 words. <laughs> Sorry, that uh, was mean. <laughs> it, it was mean. But, but yeah, Dara, Jay, you shouldn't have made that joke about Dara. <laughs> but, but I mean, that's the thing is that you have to show Dara winning because Dara did not do well on that first part, like the actual challenge itself. And then they went to that tiebreaker or that that secondary kind of, you know, cluster challenge. And it played right into Dara's strengths because it's just like come up with <laughs> as many four letter words as you can. It's like Dara's like four letter words. I am on this shit. And, you know, she batted it out and she got Sandra got 12. Lil got like 10 and Dara got 14. And yeah. uh, and Dara wins. Yay, Dara. First of many. I mean, obviously, I, I bash on Dara a little bit. Like, that's not much to say about Sandra and Lil, who know even less four-letter words. Exactly. And you think if anybody would know four-letter words, it would be Sandra. <laughs> yeah, but y- you wonder. 
Thank you. Uh, again, it's a weird mindset, though, and I don't think that it was something that Dara necessarily strategized was, but I guess my point is, is that Dara was locked into this four-letter word thing, and then Jeff's like, you have to come up with as many four-letter words or above, and I think that, like, Sandra and Lil might have, like, started looking at, like, five-letter yeah, words or above and stuff like that, and it's like, that's not the point. The point is as many of this as possible and go, so it's like you come up with the lowest ones possible and just bat them out, which is yeah. what Dara did, and she won, so all props to her. Dara wins, but, you know, Dara was never in danger of going home. So then we get Tawana blowing up herself. Yeah, this happens really fast, if I recall. All of a sudden, you know, Tawana's leading this charge to take out John or Burton. John's like, well, I don't want Burton to go. Burton's my buddy. So he goes in and he pulls in Krista and Sandra again, which is a great move, by the way. I mean, again, John is just a fantastic player. And this is a criticism I've heard many times over the years that, well, yeah, the dead grandma lie was funny, but it didn't really accomplish anything. I'm like, bullshit, watch this episode. He's he's swearing on his grandma to get Krista and Sandra back in, and Krista even cites that later in the season, while he swore on his grandma. That's why I trusted him. So bullshit, it didn't add anything to his strategy. That, that was the leverage he kind of needed right here to get Krista to believe that he was still with her. He swore on his grandma, and that's a big freaking deal. It is. It's a big deal. Because John hurts as much as anybody. It's the proximity, people. It's kind of like Rob Sesternino being able to pull Jenna and Heidi back like three days after they vote out Alex. Yeah. It's it's John is able to pull Krista and Sandra back three days after they vote Rupert out. Like it is a it, it's incredible stuff. And uh, I think that you're right. I think Tawana messed this up more than, you know, John and Burton did magic. But they had to do some magic, you know, because yeah. people can mess things up. But if you don't capitalize on the mess up, things are just kind of kind of left distended. But John didn't you know, he didn't leave anything to chance. He then sewed up uh, Sandra and, and Krista and uh, Tawana's gone. Yeah, and it's kind of, a, again, an anticlimactic ending, but there's a couple little moments at Tribal Council that are funny where, in particular, where Jeff is asking about the, the, the fish that got thrown out, what happened, and, and Sandra explains, of course, she's like, well, we got back and someone threw out the fish, so we didn't get to eat all of Rupert's fish, and they cut to Rupert, and he's got the greatest look of anger and despair that nobody ate the fish that he worked so hard for. And you can just, you don't hear any noise, but you can just picture the growl of the, <laughs> that they didn't even eat my fish. Ugh. Yeah. It, it, you know, whenever Burton says something or whatever, you, there's a there's an eye roll from Rupert. I mean, Rupert is just unbelievable in the jury. <laughs> and that, yeah, two more moments in this episode of Tribal Council. This is where John, of course, again, I can't say this with a straight face, but he thanks everyone for thinking of him with his grandma. And he goes, uh, he adds that he can't screw anyone over anymore because how much of his ha- how much has happened to him and how everyone looked out for him. So. <laughs> I don't know how he got through that with a straight face. And then there's a great quote from Burton in there. Again, <clears throat> I'm always saying that Burton has these great, you know, one-liners on how to play Survivor, and he doesn't get enough credit for that. But he's got one in here where he says, you don't have to trust someone to be in alliance with them. You just have to have the same interests. And again, that is the absolute basis, I mean, most basic theory behind Survivor. And it really had never been stated in an episode until Burton says it right here. You don't have to be friends. You don't have to be in alliance. You just have to have the same interests at that point in the game. And that's I mean, he nails it. That is an absolute perfect way to describe Survivor. You can really learn a lot of Survivor from Pearl Islands if you're going back. I think Thailand is a good place to find some really good basics on on social commentary. But I think that Pearl Islands, Burton's got some great quotes. I think he's already said, because he's, he's talked about how he wants to team up with John, but he wants John to be the bad guy. You know, and yeah. he's like, I'll let John be the bad guy and I'll be nice to everyone as we vote them out. It's like, you know, Burton went to John and said, I want to be evil and screw people over. But Burton was going to try to do it with a smile. 
and yeah. let John take all the all the downfall. And that's a, that's a successful strategy. People will successfully win a million dollars doing this in in seasons beyond this and whatnot. But I mean, Burton is vocalizing this strategy as well. Burton's got some good knowledge. John has got incredible knowledge that he drops throughout the season. And Sandra's got some fun uh, stuff as well. But uh, Sandra, I feel, is very unique to a certain type of player. But, you yeah. know, Sandra's very perceptive in and of her own right. But I mean, Burton and John, those two really tell you some good stuff in there. So pay attention when they talk. Yep. Who would have thought, you know, out of all the characters in Pearl Islands, the one you should listen the most to is Burton? Burton? Burton. Burton. Well, I was going to say, my favorite part of the Tribal Council is when Lil votes for Taiwana. <laughs> Taiwana. Don't say that, Paul. <laughs> oh, and also the trivia question, Tawana does get voted out on her birthday. I remember a lot of happy birthday Tawana on her... Uh... It was the night before. She, her birthday's the next day because Burton says, it's IT, I know it's your birthday tomorrow, and I think one of us isn't going to be here to see it. God, you're a nerd, Paul. <laughs> I just want to make sure our facts are straight here. Oh boy, but yeah, funny. He, was, he was waiting for someone to say that he had that answer already. Oh yeah, he's right. I, I would be the one to say it. I mean, come on now, uh, <laughs> don't play Survivor Stump with Jay. You're going to get a lot of T-shirts that way. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, Happy Birthday to my wife's like, isn't that kind of dickish? I'm like, I think it's pretty good. I mean, Tawana was leaving. Good, good, good message. She's on her way out. But uh, goodbye, Tawana. <laughs> Austin Look, someone just lied. Yeah, someone just lied about their dead grandma. That's hardly the most dickish thing in this episode. Exactly. And uh, Austin will miss you because you were a Nubian princess. Yes. Sorry, I stepped on your joke there. No, that's fine. I don't care. Screw you. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Episode 12. Now, we've had the Rupert episode, the dead grandma. Things will slow down a little bit here. We're probably going to rush through the next episode or two. I don't recall anything big happening in this one. How dare you! <laughs> All right. I'm sorry, Krista. Rush through my episode. But we get Krista... some Chonga in the water episode this challenge. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like Jenna and Heidi in the water, right? <laughs> oh, different kind of. Sorry. Oh, this is this like three part reward challenge where Sandra has to like do the yeah. the, the legwork of her. Oh, yeah, swim team. all three. <laughs> Uh, I liked the the setup of that where they get to the reward where um you know he, Jeff explains the reward challenge. It's like this three part reward challenge where like the first person's got to like jump in the water and untie shit, and then they have to go to the next person, and they have to untie shit and release stuff, and then get to the third person, and then they've got to like get a boat and paddle to finish. And then Jeff's like, "You're gonna draw coins, and there's gonna be three gold ones, three silver ones, which will, de- which will determine the team, and there'll be a one, two, three, which indicates your leg. One will do the most swimming, and then Sandra turns it over, and she's got." one and she's like oh lord (laughs) Uh, and you just knew her team was not going to do well yeah I think this is the one where she's running on the platform at the very start and she takes an absolute face plant right into the dock (laughs) it's like maybe one of the worst things I've ever seen on Survivor (laughs) and that's at the start of the challenge before she has to swim the next 45 minutes Uh, (laughs) poor Changa and like Burton is just exasperated the entire time what the fuck (laughs) There's this great scene, just a little thing I remember, where he has his hands on his head and he's exasperated, so he throws his hands out in despair. Yeah. But his hair is so fluffy, it, like, bounces. It's just one little thing I remember. Like, uh, I yeah. should point out, before the challenge, there's a little scene where there's uh, where Krista and Sander are furious now. They think that Johnny's fair play screwed them over. They think they're sitting ducks now. And so Changa is going to turn on John. She's like, you know what? Fuck that. We're going to... No, us girls are going to take it over. We're going to take out those two guys. And, and this is where... <laughs> We have 
this could arguably be the most famous Sandra quote where she says, we're going to take out Burton first because we can always take out John later because John's like, he's like a girl. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. My my kids were watching the, the Pearl Islands with me the other day for the first time and that quote came on and all my kids just started cracking up. John's like a girl. Because he's just like a girl. Yep. <laughs> and this, this is really kind of the... Uh, this is really kind of the turning point in the season where it starts to become the John versus Sandra showdown. This is kind of we're gearing up for the end game now. It's going to become John versus Sandra, just kind of fighting for prominence in the in the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Krista says some things that just like infuriate me because Krista now is broken. Like this is a broken person. Like Rupert just just left, and then I feel. I mean, even though the vote went her way and they voted out Tawana last episode, you know, just all of the accusations of the fish and stuff like that. I think it just literally broke her because you could see her in, 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 in a weird way. Like, not that she's like crying and, you know, huddled into like a fetal position in the corner. But like, then Chris is like, it's out here 31 days. I realize that I have to play this game. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's not about making friends. It's about winning the million dollars. When, when, when the, and you're like, it's good that it took you 31 days to figure <laughs> out this game. Like, I just, it just infuriates me when I watch that. When like, you know, three weeks into the show or four weeks into the show, Someone's like, you know what this game is about? It's about voting other people out and getting the end and getting a jury to we vote you a million dollars. It's like, thank you. Oh, my God. I'm so glad that it took you four fucking weeks to figure that out. You know, it's funny when I hear you do your Krista impersonation. It never clicked in my mind. You're basically doing a Valley Girl impression. I didn't realize she was so... There, there's a little... Val, that, that's the key to a Krista impression, ladies and gentlemen. It's a Valley Girl, but with a down speak instead of an up speak. Yeah, that's the key. Okay. I yeah. couldn't pick out what you were doing before. There you go. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, <laughs> but like, yeah, but Krista's got some really good knowledge in this episode, but again, it's going to come a little too late and that just, it's, that's maddening in a way, but you know, they even are talking like Burton and John I and mean, they've got this under lock and they're just like, Hey, would you consider voting out Sandra? Ah, I would. Yeah, I would. You know and I mean? <laughs> the thing is, is that it's good that she realizes that because Sandra would vote you out. I mean, the thing that you can say about Sandra, cause I'm not going to say a whole ton about Sandra's uh, strategic game, but what Sandra would do is I think someone says it on later, like Sandra will vote out her best friend her mother her grandmother whomever to get to you know to the next phase in the game and that's exactly right and i mean you know yep. if they were like sandra you have to vote krista out which she doesn't but i mean if they were like sandra you have to sandra would be like all right i mean that's just yep. what you know she will do how do you spell it <laughs> yes how do you spell that motherfucking name but <laughs> yeah. but anyway uh so the the team that wins is not not uh not sandra's team it's yeah, surprisingly uh, it's it's john dara and lil who, you know, John did win this reward, but they get to go on the reward, but they get to go on a plane, see the Pearl Islands, and then go to one of those remote-ass hotels, which got to cost a bajillion dollars to go to, and they get, uh, you know, a shower, they get, you know, some clothes, they get their bathing suits, which is fun, and then they, they get to eat for four fucking hours, and then, you know, Lil doesn't know what bruschetta is. <laughs> yeah. And they get, well, to, jump, and they get the... to jump around on that big bed, too, which is kind of erotic. <laughs> erotic. Yes. John finally got his orgy he was waiting for. <laughs> but yeah, this is the one where John is just left, you know, unattended with Dara and Lil, who can't be the hardest people to sway. I mean, it couldn't have been that much of a challenge for him, you know, locked in a room with them for an entire day with no one to interfere. Just, you know, get on their good side, tell them exactly what they need to hear. And that's really what kind of happens here. He promises Lil and then he promises Dara and Dara just absolutely buys it in a second that John's going to take her to the final two. So, I mean, it. This is a big moment for John. He does a lot of damage control where he's not entirely sure he has Sander and Chris on his side. So I'll just get the other side back on my team again. And that's kind of what he does here. 
Two things I want to point out. One, uh, the second obligatory Dara showering scene of the of the of the uh, of the season. We had the one earlier on Morgan Beach, and then this one. Like you know, this is like behind a shower curtain, but it's like they don't show John behind the curtain. They don't show Lil behind the curtain. It's Dara bathing. It's like awesome, way to go. And then the the second thing is they have this dinner, and it's great because the guy comes out with a menu, you know. And then John's like, I'll order for everyone, and you know, and like Lil's just like, oh, I love it when a man takes charge and orders. And Dara's like, mm-hmm, me too. And like my wife watching this season she'd be like fuck the both of you bitches <laughs> dara's from the south give her, uh, give her some slack that's kind of a southern thing it, 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 it is it is a gentleman thing but my wife's like really people like that and i'm like i guess but it's great because you know john you know john says yeah i get to show this other side you know and yeah. you know it's a great scene where like john's like i think chicken fingers would be a good yeah. appetizer and, and <laughs> Lil's like chicken i don't know what about the clams and john's like you want to eat fucking seafood we've had it for like 31 days <laughs> which is a great point but then they bring this other thing out and lil's like what's this and john's like it's bruschetta and lil's like well you're mr smart travel man yeah. i'm like bruschetta you can get it at olive garden for fuck's sake it's it's chopped up tomatoes on fucking bread like how do we not know this you're a lot more smarter than me jay (laughs) (laughs) you're a whole lot smarter more smart you gotta say more smart smart yes yeah well i don't know mara you've been to europe now i've been to (laughs) europe and and paul's a a european guy you know i mean what can we say i'm surprised we even do these american podcasts anymore with our yeah i normally i normally podcast i don't normally don't podcast in the states but for you guys they made an exception Yeah, so John has the two ladies alone. He sways them. He especially sways Dara, and as he tells, as he says, the uh, the one thing you can always count on in this game is greed, and Dara is greedy, and so that's exactly what happens. But but Mario, I want to know how, what does Dara think of John? Well, well, John's a snake. I'm not going to do an impression ever. That's just mean. But well, he's a snake, you know, and he lies, but he tells the truth too. <laughs> so thank you, Captain Obvious. Yes, he does both. It's like. He- yeah, you know, Hitler was bad and he killed people, but he helped people, too. Like, well, yeah, no shit. Everyone can do both. Did you just Godwin this podcast? Well done. I Godwin the podcast, yes. We're taking over Poland after this. <laughs> yeah, I just love that. John lies, but he tells the truth, true. It's like, well, John, it's, John is going to make a statement. The statement will either be a true statement or it will be a false statement. <laughs> you have successfully identified the two options that the sentence can go in. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Good thing it wasn't a five-letter word. It's good. That, it's good though that Dara won the reward and got her swimsuit, so that Dara, you know, no longer will have you know just topless blur action going. Yeah, on. Yeah, the burlap sack and then the topless. But yeah, and she, and she is kind of the one, the hottie left in the season. So it was good we finally got her into a swimsuit with what six days left in the game. Well done, CBS. Which, if your eye is very careful, they accidentally show a shot of her in that yellow swimsuit uh, right before Rupert gets voted out. Really. Yes, that's why I, I can't. I see it every time it plays. Um, uh, Rupert, I don't know. Someone says someone's talking about Dara is acting like it's going to be her, and there's a shot of her packing her bags, and she has that bright yellow swimsuit on. Oh, uh, slip up! Mm-hmm. How dare they slip up during my adventure? <laughs> Which again, for those of you following at home, they're they don't always use the footage from the three days what? that you're saying. I'm just saying, what? I'm just since saying, uh, since the beginning, they don't always use the footage from the three days that, that the show is transpiring. If there's a shot that better sums something up that was before or after they're going to use it. So you may see stuff like that from time to time. So uh, Paul has just pointed that out that some, some shot of Dara packing your bags later on the season was inserted earlier. And you there's your lesson. You guys are a lot more smarter than me. Oh, shut up and eat your bruschetta <laughs> and chicken fingers. 
I like that. Yeah, he points out the chicken finger. He knows his fine knowledge of food. The chicken fingers. <laughs> uh, the chicken finger. <laughs> yes, from TGI Friday. <laughs> uh, how dare you make fun of Jean Robert that way? Yes. All right, so the, we come back, and this is where uh, John admits to us that, you know, I had, to, I had to tell some lies to keep people on board. He's like, you know, I told Krista a lie last night. I said one of Grandma's last wishes was that I win. And then John just starts busting up. He just starts busting a gut. You know, Burton comes back and is like, what's up? And he just turns to Burton and says, everything's set. It's a good, it's a good, it's a good little moment there. Yeah, but I think there's a there's a slip up here. This is actually I forgot that nothing I said nothing happened in this episode. But there's a key moment here where, where Lil finally quarters Burton and says, you know, are we still in the final two? That promise we made when we were outcast and we came back in. Uh. And Burton's like, I don't know, Lil. Let's let's not get that far ahead. And this is kind of the moment where Lil starts to turn a little dark. Her thoughts start to get a little dark. She's like, well, I thought we were an alliance. Like, I can't believe you would have lied to me. And so this is where Lil's world starts falling apart. It's kind of this episode right here. I don't know, Lil, was that before or after we were holding hands at the Outcast Tribal Council? <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, so this is where, yeah, Lil is worried about Burton, and Burton tells us, well, you know, I never promised her final two. So you can see there's going to be a split coming with Lil and Burton down the road, and this is kind of where it starts. Yep. I mean, again, Lil, Lil is the wild card here. You know, Lil is going to cut the swap through the game. So, you know, Lil is, is with John and Burton. They're doing all the cutting and strutting right now. But, I mean, Lil, you know, Burton does not handle Lil very well near the end. And I think it's because Burton is locked up. Again, it's, it's the on, honesty and integrity. You know, he said he wanted to screw people over. But he did promise Lil that he wouldn't lie to her. So he's, yes. trying, to, he's trying to omit things, right? Like, yeah. you know, he promised Lil he didn't lie to her. And I actually believe Burton when he said... You know, I never actually promised her a final two, but, you know, he's like, you and me, Lil, it's you and I together and I'll never lie to you. Like, what's yeah. the, you know, and Lil basically draws a final two deal from that. And Burton's like, I never specifically said it, but it's like, that's heavily implicated. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and then Lil's like, and it's like, she's like, she's all she wants to hear is yes, Lil. And yeah. she probably goes away, but Burton cannot do it. And it's just going to raise all kinds of trouble for him. Yeah, see, Burton's playing Eagle Scout with Lil, and he's playing evil, scheming bastard with John. And it's you can see in Burton's head he's having a hard time reconciling him because he has to be two different people for two different you know opponents. And, and you can make the argument, this is something I've always thought over the years, that Burton is really the one who kind of costs John the win in Pearl Islands. Burton kind of falls apart right around here with Lil, and later when he takes John on the reward. So it's really, I think Burton is the one that really cost John, and we'll get to this argument later how close John came to winning, but I've always argued he came damn close to winning, and I, I don't think he really did anything wrong. I think Burton's the one that kind of sabotaged him. It's going to start here, though, but before we get there, we've got to uh, shoot muskets at targets. That's right, shoot the flare guns. This is Again, cool. another this is cool. Yeah, cool little pirate theme challenge. Something that the nub nut can do. <laughs> <laughs> she can spell four-letter words, and she can shoot a gun. She was three for three, right? She hit it all three times. She did. She nailed every one of them. Oh, she, she just crushed it. You know, like Sandra has one where, like, she shoots the flare, and then it goes, like, straight up. Or was it Lil? I forget. They go, it goes straight up in the air, like, once it hits the ground and stuff like that. And, you know, Krista, like, you know, Krista's a hot mess with the gun. Like, they give her the gun. She doesn't know how to hold it. She's like... <laughs> You know, doing the thing, and then Krista hits her first couple of targets, so like that. But Dara just knocks three targets out. Game's over. Done. Yeah, cool challenge, but it's really quick, and Dara just dusts them all. This is we're in the middle of Dara's immunity run, which a lot of people have kind of forgotten about here, where she legitimately does become the best athlete in the game. She somehow dusts everybody in every challenge. 
it's how it goes. But then they, uh, uh, Dara wins, and then uh, you know it, it's it's you know Krista Krista's trying to fight and say I want Lil to go home, but of course John and Burton aren't ditching Lil, so it's gonna be Krista. And yeah. you know Krista's trying to play the game, and you know she's she, Krista has some really good confessionals in here, some confessionals that help you learn and play Survivor. But unfortunately, Krista has learned the game of Survivor on day what thirty three. And, uh, and 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 as she's on the wrong side of the numbers, it's like it's good to have that epiphany right before you get voted out. Yeah. Although what's what's historic about this episode is we go to tribal council, and Rupert walks in and he's not wearing his tie dye. It's so jarring when you see it. The it's like a black tank top. The black tank top. Like what the hell, Rupert? Yeah. Some someone got fired for that for letting him walk out without the tie dye. <laughs> I had to wash it because it was Tuesday. <laughs> That's good. That's good, Robert. But like, uh, <laughs> you know, but someone says something again, just you know, about honesty or integrity or something like that, and Rupert gets the eye roll. Like every tribal council, Rupert is going to heavily eye roll at something either John or Burton says. He's yeah. gonna be like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I literally want the noise in there, you know. Like, and there's poor yeah. Rhino. Rhino just looks so innocuous up there, and he's got to come in with Rupert, and Rupert just sits there and just glares, and then eye rolls and stuff like that. <laughs> be like, poor Rhino. I mean, they're like, dude, what the fuck? Well, what's funny is I think that those grunts and moans are in the episode, but I don't think they are because I'm inserting them in my head every time I see Rupert. <laughs> I just am inserting these little, <laughs> but I don't think they're actually there. But oh, here, great mom- go ahead. Go ahead. No, I got it. Go for it. I was going to say, great moment at Tribal Council here. This is one that always makes me laugh, where uh, Probe says, well, who's the biggest threat here? Who who would you hate to go against in the final two? And Sandra says, well, Lil, because she's too likable and we all love her. And what's funny is I think Sandra's trying to get Lil voted out. He's trying. She's trying to tell people, vote Lil out because she's good and she'll be a tough opponent in the jury. But Lil doesn't take it that way. Lil's just like, aw, thank you, Sandra. <laughs> Like, I just that's Lil in a nutshell right there. Sandra's kind of taking a dig at her and trying to get draw votes towards her, and Lil takes it totally at face value and says, "Oh, well, that's and that's that's again fair play. Fair play has said uh, mm-hmm. in interviews that you know he basically said, you know, oh, and I don't want to go against Lil. And you've you've heard him in the in the episodes. You know, we've not talked about it because it's not been super important. But he said, you know, oh, no one's going against Lil. You know, she'll just crush you. She's too likable and stuff like that. And John's like, she's not likable. She wouldn't win a million bucks. But it's like if you tell people enough, yep, they'll believe it. And he just yeah. kept saying it, and then everyone else kept saying it, and then everyone's like, well, don't want to go against Lil at the end. And no one stopped to think, like, wait a minute, we all fucking hate Lil. Yeah, he said that. I've heard him say that too. Where. You know, he just he would just watch. That was one of the things that a lot of survivors don't do. Every time someone talks at tribal council, don't look at them. Look at the jury. Just visually see how they react to everyone talking. And he said it was so obvious people would, you know, shift and be uncomfortable and not pay attention. They just could not stand Lil. So he's like, all right, I'll take Lil to the end. No one shall never win a jury vote ever. And he's like, so we just would tell this lie. Oh, she's too likable. You know, don't want her around just to kind of throw people off. And he's like, I was amazed that they all just bought it. He's like, I guess if they hear it enough, it's true. And that's what happened. So Krista's gone. Rip in peace, Krista. Yeah, I mean, Krista's one of those. She's, I always say she's just a weird character. I don't know what her demographic was on the show. I don't know where she fit in. I mean, she had some quirky moments. She was funny. She was an interesting character. But I've never for the life of me figured out what niche she was supposed to fill in this cast. She's just an odd casting choice. I've never really reconciled what she was supposed to be. With her and her big bird personality. <laughs> yes. She exists solely so that Jay Fisher could get his first impression. 
What, are are you forgetting Dave Johnson? You son of a bitch. Oh, and Butch. I forgot Butch. And I? Butch. I mean, come on, now, that is dry. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> are you so pissed that that's a thing? Because that's totally a thing now. It is um, a thing. Yeah, I know you did it. Well done. <laughs> Yay. Um. So yeah, Chris is gone. Rip in peace. I, but again, I I think you're right. Chris is a weird niche. She's 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 tough to pin down on anything, but. Again, she's a character that is on earlier seasons that's not so much on modern seasons, and I'm so glad that she was on Survivor. She was she was good TV, I thought, for the moments that they gave her. Yeah, I'd agree. I don't really know where she fits in the big picture, but she did the most with what she had. Like I don't yeah, think she's fun. It's hard to picture Pearl Islands without her. I mean, she was an important character, but she just didn't really fit in anywhere. She did baby talk with Rupert. That was really about it. And she called Sean a puss. <laughs> Sean, that's the best one. The biggest puss yeah. I've ever seen. Anyway, so we get to uh, episode 13 here. Mutiny. This is uh, Final Five. Final Five. This is a big one. This is this the, is the last. Yeah. In a season with many turning points, this is the last turning point. This is the final one. This is where Burton and John are finally toppled. And John did not think it would, would happen. And Burton kind of screws it up for everybody, unfortunately. Yep. But what's fun is what's fun is that you see both sides and you see... Uh, well, we got to get there. Let's get in there. So, you know, the the episode starts and, you know, they're talking and, and you know, basically the talk is, is that Dara is a powerhouse in the challenges. So, you know, they're, they're trying to talk about, oh, well, we need to get Dara out, but we need to get Burton out. And it's just kind of like this thing and uh, and uh, and, all, and all that sort of stuff. But we, we, we get almost right away into the reward challenge because this is going to set up the rest of the episode. You missed this thing at the start where this is where Sandra's going to sabotage everyone. Oh, God, the Sandra sabotage thing. Go for yeah. it. Yeah, she's like, I know I'm going down. She's like a lone wolf. It's now four against one. And Sandra's like, I know I'm going down, but they're going to feel it way more than I am. Yes, they are. So, again, I again, I love sticking this knife into Russell Nation because I can't stand them. But Sandra kind of started this thing where you hide everything and just make everyone weak and, and make their lives miserable. So Sandra was the original Russell. Let's just say that. The first 20 minutes or the first 10, 15 minutes of this episode is the closest we ever kind of got to Sandra ever possibly being voted out of any game of Survivor she's been in, okay. at least on television. So, you know, because she's clearly behind the eight ball here and things are not turning in her favor. So, yeah, she's anticipating being voted out. She's... It, accepting the fact that she's going to be voted out and she's clearly talking about you know hiding every single tool they have so that yep. when she gets voted out they have nothing yeah the fishing net the fishing spear everything it's going to be all gone she wants them to suffer all right maybe she is a villain <laughs> she, yeah she is yeah so anyway we get to the we got to we got to get to the reward challenge and the reward challenge is again one of these uh, things that they don't quite do so much anymore and it's the uh let's just take shit from four other challenges and put it together yep this is the yeah the uh we got lazy we didn't want to come up with a new challenge <laughs> so it's like they had to like untie themselves they had to, like you know do you know uh do coordinates and dig up a key and then you know use the key to escape from jail and then you know f f yeah you know do the do the you know do the do the tie the pole together to get the key off the hook and stuff like that then you know fire a slingshot at plates and then you have to do that and get some word puzzles and come up with a a pirate phrase it's a pirate phrase jeff Probst tells us <laughs> you dick so anyway um uh, so anyway they they go and, and burton kills them all 
He does, yeah. It's not even close. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't make this comment earlier, but but since Mara made that point about Burton possibly being the best challenge competitor, I would like to see Burton go up against Ozzy because, I mean, Ozzy might be a freakish thing, but, like, Burton has the brute strength behind him that I don't think Ozzy has. And mm-hmm. so if you think, look at these challenges. So he uh, he also goes, so he, he wins the the reward that we talked about at the beginning of this podcast when he gives it to John to go with Lil. And then he wins immunity, then gets it taken away from him. Then mm-hmm. he also, I mean, he couldn't have won that one with, uh, with Changa doing all the swimming, but then he wins this reward challenge and he is, he's a challenge beast. He is. Absolutely. Yeah. He's so doing- he wins this one. He gets to take John on their, what do they go to the trip to the Panamanian cat? Oh, Oh, I forgot to point this out. A great line in this challenge, if you're listening, just little funny lines that are always popping up in Survivor. This is one that you don't really catch, but where John is reaching out for the, uh, he has the key on the stick, he's trying to reach out for his key or something, and Probes is like, Johnny Fairplay, six inches short. Six inches short, yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's good. You like making short jokes about John, there you go. That's good. Okay, yeah, so Burton wins, and he and John go on the tour of the Panamanian ruins, and they, they leave the three women back at camp all by themselves, which is a horrible mistake. Burton probably should have taken Lil right here. He should have taken Lil, but they felt again, you can hear them talk though. I think that they felt though that not so much that Lil Lil was malleable. Bert, I think Johnny has said in interviews that Burton kind of screws up because Burton does tell Lil almost right before they go on the trip that Lil, I don't know if I'll, t- again, I don't know if I'm taking you to the final two, which yeah. was, you know, thinking like John basically was like, they thought everything was, was pretty handled. And then they went on the reward and Burton's like, oh yeah, I told Lil that I couldn't guarantee your final two. And John's like, you fucking what? Turn this boat around. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but at the same time you see them think through it, which is an interesting thing. Cause a lot of people who think back on this thing go, oh, Burton, he fucked up. He took John on the challenge and they just left the three women back to scheme and plot and stuff like that. And they did. And that's a mistake. And I'm not saying it wasn't but they anticipated that they were doing so and you know we're talking about it and talking about how they what they could do to overcome it and uh and and the thing is is that the girls they do such a poor job on one end that they actually think that then they've got everything else covered but we'll get there in a minute so anyway john and burton go on this reward but before they reach the panamanian village of course they they uh get a boat ride over to the dock and they meet jeff and jeff's like you like that you like that ride over there baby that is dry. That is dry right there. <laughs> Hands Burton the keys to a GMC Envoy, which isn't a Pontiac Aztec, which is an improvement, but apparently it still turns into a fucking tent. <laughs> All cars turned into tents back around 2001, 2002. That was just what the way society was. People are doing a lot of fucking camping back then. <laughs> you know, but... Because it was a 9-11 thing. We just hadn't really <laughs> processed it yet. But Burton does say, he's like, I like that feature. You know, I do a lot of outdoorsy stuff and, and, and stuff, and that would be great. And I'm like, I actually believe you, Burton. I actually believe that's a really nice car for you. And John, of course, is like super overjoyed for Burton. He has a good line about like, I'd be upset about anybody else getting it but Burton, but Burton's my friend now. It's a really good line and, and, and very genuine, I feel. But on the other hand, in John's head, he's got to be like, oh, thank God I didn't win the car. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now, there's one thing we're kind of glossing over here that – that right before this reward, the uh, the the guys have also told Lil, well, you know, the next person to be voted out is Dara, not Sandra, and that is a huge point yeah. of contention for Lil because Lil's like, I thought we were a four-person alliance, like we were going to vote out Sandra, and then she it starts clicking in her head. She's like, 
well, if they could turn on Dara that fast, they could turn on me that fast. And this isn't right. So this is, it's the whole machination of uh, the downfall of Johnny Fairplay and Burton is starting right now. All the wheels are in motion. Lil is starting to see the light. Dara is being left back at camp. Sandra's desperate. It's really, again, Burton and John have really overplayed their hands a little. And they think that they can get these girls back, but they can't. Unfortunately, it's the one time in the game where it's too late for them to undo the damage. It's weird because, like, what is Lil thinking? Like, she thinks she has a final two agreement with Burton, and she knows that she, Burton, and John are a three-pack. But then she's like, and then Dara is, like, this solid fourth that they have to be, like, what are you thinking, Lil? That is such weird thinking. And I can see, like, Burton and John just being totally confused by that thinking. But, yeah, you're you're right. Lil was just like, I don't, I'm not thrilled with Dara over Sandra. And they're basically like, Sandra can't win shit. And, yeah. you know, Lil's just like, I don't know, blah, blah, blah. But you're right. So Burton and John go, and they get a nice feast, and they talk about their, you know, uh, Burton's car turning into a tent because, you know, we're fascinated with car tents. But uh, other just, than that— I just wish Colby's mom would have been in the back there, too, <laughs> waiting for the boys to have some fun. <laughs> well, she would have been sadly disappointed if Colby oh, wasn't there. Well, either her or Trishel. They could have really, you know, helped him out a little bit. <laughs> oh, Trishel would have made that way better. <laughs> and if you know, if they really had to like if they really needed to round up uh, a reality star to have some fun with them, I think they probably could have gotten Trishel too. So Trishel yeah. with John and Burton in the car in the same time, that just would have been an amazing record. <laughs> they would have stopped being polite and started being real. <laughs> yes. But uh, yeah, but 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 the excitement of the scene is not really Burton and John eating their faces off at the uh, at the Panamanian ruins, which was really cool looking. It's the girls at camp. Yep, this is the thing where Sandra's starting to realize where you know I'm not as screwed as I thought I was. So she pulls back all her sabotage plans here because Lil is starting to crack, and Lil's like, you know, they said they're going to vote out Dara. So this is where it all kind of comes together for Sandra. She's like, holy shit! Like those guys fucked up. They messed with Lil, and now she's all broken. So, yeah, this is the thing where Sandra's getting together and they come up with this plan that, all right, it's the three of us against these two boys because these two boys are talking down to us. They're cocky. They just are mean to everyone. And so they have this plan where, okay, when these boys come back, we're going to rope-a-dope them where Sandra's going to lay down over there and pretend she's all depressed. We're just going to lay over here. or Me and Dara are going to walk around as if nothing happened, and we're going to hope, hope to hell that we can convince them that, that we didn't have any discussions here. And they don't pull this off, which is funny. Not at all. Sandra pulls it off. Yeah. Sandra, but Lil and Dara are—they—they they don't pull this off in the slightest. No. <laughs> yeah, Burton's like, I can't believe that you girls didn't think to strategize when we weren't here. No, no, nope. no, 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 nope. no, not at all. Nope. Mm-mm. <laughs> nah, nah, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're like, no, and they're so. And Burton's like, I'm not buying what they're selling. But they go yeah. up to Sandra, and Sandra, you know, just like, what the fuck? Yeah, I'm tired. Leave me alone. Yeah. Well, it's great because again. You know, Sandra might not be the best game controller, but she really is just good at certain things. Like you said, perception. She's really perceptive, skeptical. She's skeptical of everything. And when she wants to sell something, she can sell it. And this is so great that she totally fools Johnny Fairplay. And he's like, what's wrong, Sandra? And she's like, oh, nothing. I'm giving up. And then John starts getting all cocky. Well, what if I tell you you're in the final three now? What if I tell you you're not going home tonight? And she's like, I'm listening. <laughs> it's, it's just basically she's going to do Johnny Fairplay's lie on him just in reverse. And then, you know, he's like, he's like, I swear on my grandmother, I swear on my grandmother, are you, you know, are you girls in an alliance? And she's like, and then he's like, swear on your kids. (laughs) Yeah. She's like, so I pull out my, he's like, show me your fingers. And she's like, well, I guess guess he didn't want to have my fingers crossed. How dumb is that? (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> so this is it. This is I, I forget. I called it something in the funny one fifteen, the game ender or something like that. Where it's like the moment in the season where it the season will turn down a course where it cannot reverse itself. And this is the one in in Pearl Islands where Sander gives the confessional. I swore on my kids that I would be with him and Burton. And under my breath, I'm thinking. I swear on my kids, I'm going to screw you and Burton. And that's really the, that's the last turning point in the season. It's all downhill for John from here. John and Burton say multiple times, and again, you can see it, that you, we saw when they were on the reward that the girls made a pact, that the three of them would vote out Burton if he didn't have immunity, or John, I suppose. And they were like, we'll vote out one of the boys next tribal council it's a done it's it's a given that's the plan we're doing it and it was funny is that burton and john anticipate this and they anticipate to do damage control but the girls do this dumb pl- thing but then so then they get thrown into this weird side damage control but it's too late the girls are going to go in on this plan they can't do anything but what's fun is that they they then in their damage control spinning convince themselves that they've stopped any sort of bleeding and they talk yeah. about it they're like you know if the girls were smart they'd pick one of us <laughs> off But they're not going to do it. They're not that smart. And what's funny is they can see it coming. They're basically like, what the girls should do is they should vote one of us off, but they're not going to. And they say it multiple times. Like, the girls are so stupid. They should vote one of us off, but they won't. And they do. And that, my friends, is delicious. It is, isn't it? There's a great quote in there I kind of forgot from Sandra. And Paul will laugh when when I say it. But right before the boys come back and the girls have their plan all laid out, Sandra gives a great quote. The sooner we get rid of these jackasses, the better. (laughs) I love Sandra. Yeah, Sandra's the greatest. Okay, uh, there's something I have to add here. Jay just mentioned it, that the guys start getting super sexist right around this point in the game. And this is something that a lot of not, not a lot of people remember. I actually have some insider story on this where uh, John said, you know, he told me once, he said, well, when I went into the game, my character was going to be Johnny Fairplay. He's a liar. He's a cheat. I'm basically trying to become a pro wrestling villain. That's what he wanted. He wanted to work in pro wrestling as a manager or some villain after Survivor. So he had this whole character lined up. And he's like, but as the season started to go along, I started to get bored. It was just boring. He goes, you have so much downtime in Survivor. And like, you just, everything, it's just repetitive. It's the exact same thing over and over. So he's like, <clears throat> by the end, the character started getting darker than I expected. He's like, I decided he was going to be super sexist too. And so John said, and that, that's out of nothing other than the fact of I'm just getting bored and the fact that there's three women and two guys. And I kind of suspect that the g- girls might turn on us at some point. And he goes, I kind of think, if I lose, it's going to be one of the girls just because there's more of them than there are of us. So he goes, so the character started to take a darker turn. And he goes, really, it was just because I was bored. I'm just start, he starts saying, well, the women are you know, inferior to men. They can't win. And he starts, it's again, literally quoting Andy Kaufman that women need to be in the kitchen, scrubbing the potatoes, making the babies, and, you know, peeling the vegetables. That, that is word for word the, the taunts that Andy Kaufman used to use when he wanted to bait women into wrestling with him. That's, so he's just quoting Andy Kaufman. And so Fairplay said, yeah, so, so it kind of took a dark turn at the end that, I, that Johnny Fairplay got super sexist. And what's funny is you don't remember that. You think he's always like that. But if you watch the episode, it's only the last two episodes he starts doing this, women are inferior, I'm the last man. That's, that's, he he kind of changed the character on us. That's true. But we get to travel council and more Rupert eye-rolling. Just wanted to point that out. Yes. But oh, wait, the- you forgot the immunity challenge. Oh, God, we did have to do it. I'm sorry. Dara has Actually, small yeah. hands. She sticks yeah. them down the tubes, and she wins. Tribal Council. Right, that's it. There you go. Dara wins her third immunity in a row because she has the skinniest arms. Yes. It's, right. it's a pretty forgettable challenge. It's just, you know, yeah. Anyway, let's go. They have to yeah. fill up canteens for part of it. Come on now, people. <laughs> yeah. And here's another speech that John gives right before Tribal Council. That the three girls share a brain. They've done nothing for women's rights in this game. They would be better off scrubbing potatoes and mopping floors and trying to get bills passed. 
And again, anybody who knows Andy Kaufman, that is word for word, like to the point that Andy Kaufman's friends and business managers and stuff were all calling Johnny Fairplay after these episodes aired saying, dude, you're just stealing his act. And John said, yeah, I never said I wasn't. I'm just it's an homage. So, again, if you know Andy Kaufman, that's just what Fairplay is doing. He's quoting him. So, um, trying to think here. So, yeah, they go to tribal council and lo and behold, Burton gets voted out. Yep, by Burton. And that's the thing. Yeah, Burton gets blindsided. It's one of those surprise tribal councils. Burton gets blindsided. All the jury starts, you know, high-fiving, and Rupert and the Rhino, I think, do a fist-a-bump or something like that. And, and first, it just ends with... First the... time we've ever seen someone get voted off twice. That's true. First time. Twice in one season. Yeah, and he gets voted out, and he goes home, and the last shot is just Johnny Fairplay looking dejected, knowing, ah, oh, shit, I'm fucked. <laughs> He looks dejected. He also is kind of he, he laughs at some point because you can just see he's horribly amused by the whole thing um, and stuff like that. But I, again, we're going to get into the finale here. But just the fact that John Dalton does not go out in fourth place is, yeah. again, a testament that <laughs> of, of the one of the great players that John Johnny Fairplay is and one of the best, if not the yeah. best. I got to say about Burton's final words where he says, well, I just hope Lil can live with herself. And I'm like. I was watching that. I'm like, didn't he vote for Lil? Too? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, like... <laughs> that quote always bugs me. Say what you want about Lil, but really, Burton, you're going to come down on Lil that she can live with herself. Like, give it up. Yeah. Lil, we I... had an alliance. I hope you vote. <laughs> it's like, you voted for Lil. Yeah, how dare you vote for me when I vote for you? I'm hungry. What the fuck am I going to do? All right. So we go to the finale. And it, this is, I have some uh, great uh, backstory on this one, too. Not a lot of people have heard this. <clears throat> okay. Uh, we're going to get there. No, this one's great. This is, ties into exactly what you just said. So in real life, Burton gets voted out and John is depressed. He doesn't want to play anymore. He's done. He told me this. He's like, fuck that. I don't want to play with these three Nimrods. They're all idiots. I don't want to hang around with Dar- with Lil anymore. I don't want to hang out with Mushmouth, Dara. And he's like, I'd, all I wanted to do was go to Loser Lodge now and hang out with Burton and drink. That's all he wanted to do after that. He, he was done. And so the producers are like, well, come on, give us something. Johnny Fairplay's got some magic. And John's like, nah, fuck that. I'm done. I don't want to do anything. And so the producers are goading him, like, you got to try something. He's like, no, I don't care. And so anybody who knows anything about Johnny Fairplay is you get alcohol in him, he gets really aggressive and brave. And this is kind of a running theme through Pearl Island. Anytime he gets alcohol in him, he gets all super uh, strategic and and plotting and stuff. So Fairplay's all down in the dumps. And what happens the next morning is, John said, is uh, Probes comes to, you know, deliver the breakfast. It's our final four breakfast at the start of the finale. And lo and behold, there's a bottle of champagne in there. And Jeff and, and, and Fairplay told me once, he's like, and that's like delivering spinach to Popeye. He's like, so Probes is basically giving me champagne because he knows that'll make me turn on the, uh, the game again and start wanting to be Johnny Fairplay. So Fairplay gets a little liquid courage in him, a little champagne, and he's like, all right, fuck that. I'm going to take over this game and show these bitches how it's done. And that's exactly what happens that you see in the start of episode four. Probes comes, gives him the breakfast. Lil's like, oh, you came and gave us breakfast. But really, that's just the producers trying to get John to get his mojo back. They want him to give him some alcohol. So he gets some champagne. He gets some champagne in him. He gets a little confidence, and literally he turns that vote around in about a minute and a half. It's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. I mean, that's more impressive than anything Rob Sesternino has ever done, Boston Rob's ever done. I think, in my opinion, watch the first ten minutes of Pearl Islands and watch how fast a confident Johnny Fairplay gets Dara and Lil to turn on each other. And he has a great quote. It's great. I mean, because because they come with the with the champagne and and that sort of breakfast, but then Jeff brings old, old letters from home for the four. 
which is which is again a weird a weird time to do it which is which is again sort of leading to this fishy that the producers are trying to do stuff they usually do a final four meal or a final three meals so that's not out of out of place per se but then he gives them the letters from home and of course lil just loses <laughs> yeah. her shit over the letters <laughs> yeah lil is just i mean completely embarrassing bawling over her letter and my son I'm watching this with my son. He's he's 10 years old and he's in a Boy Scout troop, and he's watching. He's just kind of watching this lady lose it and babble, and and I'm like, do you want her to be your Boy Scout leader? And he just laughs. He's like, no. <laughs> so well, there you go. My favorite part of the letters. Did you catch this, Mario? Because 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 I know you follow baseball. Oh yeah. <laughs> she's crying over the Pete Rose quote. The you know, Pete Rose like, quote. Just remember that some people win and some people lose, and I'm happy with the other people losing. That's Pete Rose. <laughs> That's, That's my great- son, and I'm like, your son is qu- you're crying because your son is quoting Pete Rose. Now I know you're from Cincinnati, Lil, but Pete Rose is one of the most despicable human beings on planet Earth. Like, your you sh- your son should not be quoting Pete Rose for fuck's sake. That's not a good thing. <laughs> But that's such a badass quote too. It's funny that it's attached to Lil here. This someone has to someone has to win and someone has to lose. I believe in letting someone else lose. I mean, that is such a, a badass way to look at competition, and I love it. And it just doesn't fit Lil whatsoever. Yeah, she just kills that when she kisses the letter. So <laughs> yeah, she says that. Yeah, it is a badass quote. And you know, Pete Rose was a competitor. It's not that. I mean, the quote is chopped off because it's the some people win, some people lose. Uh, you know, and I'm I'm happy with other people losing. I've got five on the Yankees. <laughs> yes. Yes. So that so this is where it's funny that you got the ammunition. Lil, of course, overshadows everyone with how her histrionics and what a big deal it is. And and this is of course how John gets Lil and Dara to turn on each other. Where Lil just or John just starts saying, Well, you know, you get in front of a jury, Lil, you're gonna start pulling hearts and flowers just like you did. I mean, today was just a dress rehearsal for what you're gonna do in front of a jury. I like when Lil goes, is, What do you mean hearts and flowers? <laughs> like, <yeah. laughs> Lil Lil goes pissed in this scene. And John really doesn't even have to say more after that. He just kind of lets Dara and, and Lil go after each other. And John's like, so, Dara, you want to take Lil to the final two? And Dara's like, well, I don't know. And really, that's all he has to do. With. They just turn on each other. It's amazing how fast it happens. And it's funny because, again, it's this swath, this crater that Lil leaves behind. Lil is just dusting everybody in this game. And it's funny because John's like, yeah, it'd be tough to go to the final two with you, Lil. What do you think, Dara? Would you want to have Lil in the final two? And Dara's like, I don't know. I just want to stay out of it. I don't want to think about it right now. And then Lil just turns to Dara and says, do you not want to bring me to the final two? <laughs> and you're like, when did this come up ever? Like, you know, she was hanging on Burton's hat forever and was yeah. with Burton and John. And now she's interrogating Dara like, you don't want to go with me to the final two, Dara? <laughs> And Dara's like, well, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you'd be awfully tough to beat, Lil. I have to tell you, you'd be awfully tough to beat in the final two. But I don't know. I just want to lay here. And Lil's just like, I have to leave. I'm gonna go sit in the hammock. I have to leave. <laughs> you know, it's, what's funny is that Dara didn't even flat out say, I don't want to take you to the final two. I mean, she she sort of you know implied it with there. But I mean, Dara's just like, I don't know. It, it it doesn't seem smart. But let me just lay here. But that was enough. That really was enough. Yeah, nicely played, Dara. I mean. <laughs> Could Dara play that better? Yes. But, I mean, you can't even say, like, Dara flat out said, no, Lil, I'm not taking you to the final two. Fuck you, bitch. Like, yeah. you know, she literally she's like, I, it'd be tough, Lil. I mean, you're tough to beat, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, I mean, Dara just literally said to Lil, you're tough to beat in a final two. And Lil just lost her shit over it. And she was yeah. just like, I'm, I, I can't, I can't, blah, blah, blah. And then you cut to Johnny Fairplay in a confessional where he just says, the easiest way to take yourself off the block, take, create tension between two other people. Write it down, kids. That's just fantastic stuff. 
It is. Yeah, I mean, that's Survivor 101 right there. And so many people have used that in, in seasons before and after, but no one really phrased it exactly like that. He just, and, I, and again, I'm not sure where Sandra was during this scene. She might have been able to prevent some of it. I'm not sure if she would have or cared because I think this is where we first hear her famous mantra, as long as it ain't Sandra, I don't care. I'll vote for anybody as long as it's not me. So she's like, if you want to vote out Dara, regardless, okay, I'll go along with that as long as it's not me. She said it before, but yeah, I mean, this is all coming into light because there's less people and Sandra is still there. Yeah. All right, and that's it. I mean, that's it. Johnny Fairplay is basically Chris Doherty at this point. He's just like, what? I'm just sitting here in the hammock. I'm not doing anything, and all the women are fighting around him. Well, he also does that thing where, like, Lil's talking with Dara, like, you don't want to take me to the final two? And he's behind her shaking his head, no, you know? Without Rupert there, then he kind of, you know, fulfills the Rupert role of sneaking up on the conversation (laughs) and making faces in the background. Yes, Johnny uh, Fairplay is a lot like Rupert. We make we keep that comparison going. Ah, uh, he just crushed it. Ah, uh, it was just fantastic, fantastic television. Uh, good job, Johnny Fairplay. This is the most one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen the, in the in the history of Survivor. Just being able to turn this vote off of him, and, you Absolutely. know, because because he even says it in that tension thing. It's just like, I created tension. Now the chopping block. It's either going to be Dara or Lil. Like it's not even him in the slightest. Yeah, and John would be the first one to tell you. And I was drunk when I pulled that off. So yeah, <laughs> exactly. <Fuck that. laughs> All right, so we go to the immunity challenge. This is a one that a lot of people have hated over the years. It's the one where it's the trivia challenge. This is a kind of a first and I believe a last in Survivor history where there's a chance where nobody will be immune tonight. Where we're gonna have a trivia contest where you answer questions and all the jurors get to pool their knowledge and compete too. So it's it's incredibly fair. Yeah, it, it was an unfair twist. Not, but again, I think that it fits with the season. You know, Jeff says again, you know, your past is now going to come back to haunt you. So it's like it's not that like they're coming back in the game, but he's like, there's just a chance you could not win immunity entirely. And I, you know, it's decent. It, it kind of sucks that you know, uh, the the jury all gets to kind of pool themselves together. But it's nice that Rupert gets to write down and hold the card. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like, what well, was there a zero percent chance that Rupert wasn't going to be dead center in the middle and gets to hold the, the placard? Uh, but you know, what was good is I, for some reason, when I was remembering this, I was remembering this as a fallen comrades ish kind of challenge, but it's not, it's, it's just total Pearl Islands trivia. And I, and I immediately snapped back because I just love the John response to the shark attack question. That's just one of the best things ever. How do you avoid a shark attack? Just don't go in the water. Well, of course the little smart out got it. Oh, well, I, I got to point out right before this challenge, another great Johnny Fairplay quote that I just highlight these all the time. Because, again, anybody who says there was a better villain in Survivor history than Johnny Fairplay, it's, they're nuts. There's no one who's even close. How's this? I'm the king of men and they're women. I mean, yeah, <laughs> if it was a getting pregnant contest, they'd win. But otherwise, I've got it. I mean, come on. Oh, my. Tell yeah. me that's not the greatest villain in Survivor history. Yeah, he's just he's just pulling it in now but uh you're right i mean they they do this trivia question the jury gets to pull their responses uh and the jury wins um they get to five first hooray um was there so any no, doubt that they would beat them no yeah there was no there was no doubt i mean once they introduced that twist kind of like you knew the outcasts would would win would be one or two of the tribes in that first one well, plus you had Rupert's extensive knowledge of Central American geography. Well, of course. I mean, that's got to be that's got to be super extensive. It's a pirate. I sail. Pirates sail. Pirates navigate. Pirates write down their map findings on a parchment for others to follow in the future. 
No, no, that's not what he said. But anyway, uh, the jury wins. So basically what this means is that of the four people remaining, no one has immunity. But uh, it was either going to be Dara or Lil, just depending on what it was. And it was a trivia question anyway. I just didn't think Dara was going to win this. Yeah, she just seemed like a minor character at this point. I, was, I wasn't surprised at all that she got voted out here. What's, what's funny is that almost all of the spoilers at the time, again, I, I've not, never been big in the spoiler community, but I'm always aware of what they're thinking because they never shut up about it. But everyone thought Dara was going to win Pearl Islands. All the spoilers said Dara wins. So it was kind of a shock to a lot of people that Dara just kind of randomly gets voted out here at the Final Four. But Nub Nub yeah, must go. I got to point out there was a great scene where, where Jeff asks the players, so what was it like reading your letters from home? And we cut to Lil, and she can only be doing what I can describe as a ferret impression, where her face is so scrunched up and she's ready to cry. She's like, we got our letters from home. And it was from my just, husband. Yeah, and we totally we totally glossed over, you know, when Jeff comes down, you know, Lil, of course, gives him a hug and a kiss. Uh-huh. You know, being, you, you know, here's to Jeff. What a great man. And then she's looking at her like, would you like to be on the scouts, join the scouts someday? And Jeff's just like, maybe one day. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Maybe one day. <laughs> She's like, what a great man. I'm like, uh, Lil, he's getting paid a ton of money to, you yeah. know, uh, and he and he's living a little better than you are. And he came and just gave you a letter from home. Yeah, like, you champagne know. and oranges didn't come out of his check. <laughs> yeah, you're going to need to raise the bar on great man. He <laughs> uh, was a great man. He was a great man. But okay, I got to point out, there was a couple good speeches here at Tribal Council where – Lil actually has some really good speeches in the finale. I mean, it's way too late for her anybody to respect her or get any jury votes. But she has this great speech here right now where she says, you know, outside of this game, I don't like what this game has made me. I hate it. And she follows up on that later. as She has a, an amazing final Tribal Council speech, but we'll get to that. And then John, of course, is just playing up this thing at Tribal Council. He's like, I'm unlikable. I don't think I could ever win a jury vote. So he's, he's totally trying to get people not to vote him out, even though he knows damn well he'll probably win a jury vote if he gets there. So there's some neat stuff going in here. Yeah, he had some stuff up his sleeve. But Dara's gone. Um, yep. See you later. Final four. She's done. And uh, we get to the final three now. Yay, John, Lil, and Sandra. We got nothing more to say about Dara? No final thoughts on her? I'm just numb thinking about her. <laughs> yeah, Dara- what I wanted to... Good. Dara's weird because she was I mean Burton was a challenge god in, in, in Pearl Islands and what's tough is that when people think Pearl Islands I think they think when they think challenge run and challenge person I think Dara is the first person that comes to people's minds and she did win three challenges in a row and you can't take that away from Dara I think that Burton overall was the better challenge person than Dara was but you know it's funny her final word she's like ah it's tough that they saw me as a physical threat seeing as i'm 60 pounds soaking wet and it's like you won three in a row kid like yeah. <laughs> you know you gotta look at facts here yeah yeah i make, I make fun of dara a lot it's it's tough not to just because it's there's this bias in this country against southern accents it's it's again i hate it's because we do it so i hate to say it but it's like even no matter how smart you are if you have a real thick southern accent people just assume that you're not that bright and i think she's more bright than she kind of appears on tv so i i, I hate that we kind of pick on her but yeah, it's just that people pick on you if you have a southern accent. She had such a thick accent, it was tough to understand her at times. And again, I got to point out, she came awfully close to winning. I mean, she had a bunch of Morgans on that jury. She may have won had she got there. You never know. And she was a physical threat. She seemed like she was well-liked. And again, I got to point out that the spoiler community was just 
shocked that Dara got voted out because she was the spoiler favorite. Everyone thought she was going to win. So naturally she had a big fan base because people want to be on the bandwagon that they were rooting for the winner. So it was kind of a big deal for a lot of people that she was voted out. And I always have to point out that her final words, Jay said, they end in, you know, I'm 60 pounds. But the beginning of her final words are classic. She just says, well, that sucks. (laughs) So there you go. Yeah. I mean, the thing about Dara is, is that she was constantly there. But, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it may be, a, it may be a, a, a reflection of the edit that she was given, but it just never seemed like, again, I, I think that once, you know, she was on Morgan and just Morgan was so shitty for so long. They just weren't mm-hmm. eating well. They didn't have good comforts. And I think that took a lot out of her. And I mean, clearly she was young and she was spry and she still got up to, you know, win those challenges and stuff like that. But Dara didn't win a lot of those rewards. She won the, the, the big reward at the, uh, at the hotel or whatever uh and whatnot and that invigorated her a little bit but i think dara was just low on energy you know all that all that way through and so i i think that she's kind of a a, was a docile personality to begin with and then you know she was low on energy and it just kind of she was just kind of there yeah one of the rumors i've heard over the years i don't know if this is true or not i'm I'm curious if you guys have heard this too was that she and rhino were a couple they were like a showmance I think Rhino's and, been with any every survivor <laughs> okay. between the ages of twenty and thirty. So yeah, I'd say yes. Yeah, you could yeah, have, see, you could have said Rhino has been with you know insert female survivor here, and I would be like, <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> but I've heard that the Morgan Alliance was you know Andrew Savage, Rhino is his, his number two man, then OT, and then Tawana. Those were the big four, and Dara was just a hanger on because she was Rhino's girlfriend. That's kind of what I've what I've always heard, and it was kind of cut out of the episode. So Dara really doesn't have a purpose if you don't know that. That's I don't know if that's true. That's just a story I've heard about about what her point was in this season. Well, I thought they kept her over Lil because, you know, anything that Lil actually does at camp, like D could do. <laughs> In theory, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, but, it, but she's gone. We got final three. Is there anything final three-ish here that, that we need to talk about? <laughs> yes. This is one of the things I love about this. I love, you know, the final torch walk. They have oh, to the torch walk. Duh. Yeah, they, uh, they have duh. to say nice things about everybody. And what's funny is you have John, who doesn't give a shit about anyone, and Sandra, who's just going to say mean shit about everyone because she doesn't care. So it's like, thank God Lil was there. Seriously. <laughs> like, can you imagine if it was just John and Sandra bagging on everybody? Like, it's funny to think about, like, you know, Nicole, who voted Lil out because, voted, voted Lil into the game because she didn't want to spend any time with her. And then uh, Lil yeah. says that she enjoyed their time as outcasts. I think of you often. Yeah, I'm sure she does. And John walks up, rock and bod. Yeah, Sandra's like, I don't know who the fuck that is. Yeah, no, I'm sorry, I forgot that. The, yeah, so yeah, this is the final torch walk, but it's not really a torch walk. They go to that pirate ship, that pirate ship that they ran the obstacle course on, and Jeff's like, we're gonna set this shit on fire, which is a awesome, but b I feel really bad for the people who built that set. Like I know it's got to come down, but it's like then they're like, oh yeah, we're gonna burn it. You're, you're gonna what? At least I get to burn it, right? No, we're going to have him do it on TV. Oh. And that boat is dry. And that boat was, that, that wood was dry. And it was cool, <laughs> though, that, you know, just like, I mean, that's the coolest torch walk thing ever. It's just like you get to place the torches on the, on the ship. Then you get to fire a flare musket at the ship, and then it's going to go up into flames, and you get to watch it. Like, how freaking cool is that? And they get to go up there, and, of course, they make a big fucking pissy deal that Austin's torch isn't there. Like, my <laughs> God. Oh, yeah. Let's just keep kicking Austin when he's down. Thanks, probes. 
I mean, I'm going to say it right now. I was not. You you can listen to the two previous podcasts. I do not. I'm not the biggest fan of Austin in this game. He made a lot of mistakes. Sold his clothes at the first village, and you know because of that, and because you know Andrew was just you know, you know really banking on Austin making a turnaround in this game, and which didn't happen. Austin torpedoed the Morgan tribe. They are one of the most inept tribes ever, and it's mainly because of Austin. Like I'm not like the biggest game fan of Austin, but he did not. He does not deserve this level of ire from there. Yeah. Like he just said, "Vote me out." He didn't literally tell production, "I am quitting. Get me the medevac out of here." Like they were going to go to tribal council and vote him off, all normal. But then they threw a pissy fit and tried to make an example out of him, which is a really good example because everybody fucking quits now. So <laughs> yes. way to go, CBS. And it's like. It, Again, like Jerry was a huge bitch, supposedly in Survivor Australia. Like Austin's quit is not that big of a of, of a of a thing. And yet, you know, you watch Pearl Islands and you just watch the treatment done to Austin. Like I'd be <laughs> so goddamn angry if I were him. Well, of course, in the next season when Jenna quit, she gets the exact same treatment, right? Of course, exactly. The exact same <laughs> the treatment. Exact same. They like snuff her torch and like have big like like Chris Nolan inception sounds, you know, like goom. <laughs> going down the ground like it's bullshit yeah no, i agree so yeah like just like you're gonna put most of the torches on the ship well almost everyone except yeah. for that one quitter guy you know yeah. and like then they get to go and yes rock and body and you know lil of course <laughs> crying over ryan's shoulders and uh michelle and stuff like that and then you know the slow pan over rupert's torch like <laughs> rupert <laughs> well the greatest is where john they cut to john and john's like Rupert was one of the best guys ever to play the game. And I'm like, how much did they threaten him or pay him to say that? There's no way he would have said that. I think John was just trying to juxtapose Rupert with himself because John was trying to be the villain. And I think John kind of figured out that Rupert was their hero and, and whatnot. And, and you know, he had that. And we got lots of extra scenes of Rupert giggling and spearing and, you know, all that sort of sort of stuff and whatnot. And it's great. And, you know, Lil's like Andrew, thank you. And Rhino. And oh, boy. I got to point out again, my wife pointed out there's nothing more adorable than the shot of Ryan shadow boxing with Pelican Pete. She loves that shot. Ryan's got the big grin on his face. He's pretending he's boxing the pelican. Mm-hmm. It's and good. then, of course, yeah, Rupert. Rupert, uh, I found the spear in the ocean. In the ocean. So we get everyone, and, and of course, extra slow for Rupert and, uh, and all that sort of stuff. And then um, uh, we learn that Sean likes to eat and all those sort of things. And then they get to leave the boat and then shoot it with, with flare guns. It's fan- that's, oh, that's great. Well, what's amazing is that Sandra hits it on her first shot. We've seen her flare gun shooting ability. It's not good. Yeah. Do you think that was one take, or do you think they did it again? I mean, I don't know. I think they CGI inserted her shot. She her, <laughs> Hers was not loaded. <laughs> they just digitally inserted Sanders shooting the boat from 800 yards away, however far away they were. But it's cool. It's cool to see it go up. You see the torches fall. You see, like, the big crow's nest come down. Yep. It's just a fun scene. And a little does the scout salute, so it's that's perfect capper. I like how they had to do it in the rain, too. You see them, like, at the end. Because you, you see the production clearly told them to walk up to the torch and, like, grab the nameplate because, you know, it was blowing around in the wind and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, like, you could see, like, their fingers. They're just so pruny and stuff like that. Like, they were in that rain for a long time. Yeah, and again, I again I can't understand how so many people in the modern audience want Survivor to cut out that scene, the torch walk and the remembrance of all the players. I mean, there's so much cool stuff going on in those scenes. It's ridiculous. But it's the way it is. Paul hates the 
the the the the rights passage, right, Paul? Yeah, I don't like Paul any... turned off his microphone. Yeah, no, I don't like anything that you know showcases the characters, remind us who's <laughs> part of this journey. I'm all about. I just want to see like immunity idols, like hidden idols, all the time. <laughs> and blindsides. And blindsides and idols. Lies. Is that how they do it in Europe, Paul? Well, that, that's just that's the European way of television. <laughs> it's way better. I thought European way was Colanta, like where everyone like <laughs> they die, beats the shit out of each other, and people yeah. die. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, they go to the final tribal council, which is a pretty cool one. Which is you know again pirate themed, where you know they put them on a little thing and leave them out to die. So then they have to they have to be on the little board bobbing in the ocean, and you know they can't hit their knees or their ass on the on the board. And that's tough. That's literally a tough challenge. And it doesn't last super, super long. Uh, yeah. like two, 245 is the end. I mean, you know, for an endurance challenge, that's, I mean, it's not like Thailand where it was over in like 10 fucking minutes. But I mean, it, it was, you know, th- this, this challenge got over quick. Yeah, especially because Sandra was involved because, you know, she was out in about 30 seconds. <laughs> the lippiest mother we've ever had. So, yeah, <clears throat> this is something... John John Fairplay has said this. I've read him say this in interview. I've seen him say this in interviews before. Where his back is still screwed up from this challenge. He still does not run correct to this day because of how his legs were locked. Wow. It was a brutal challenge. It was brutal and it was tough. But uh, Lil didn't have any problems. <laughs> no, Lil. Yeah, this is this she is, does aerobics. <laughs> this has long been a favorite on the Funny One Fifteen. This is always people's one of the, one of their favorite entries, and I get emails about this one all the time. Where Lil just randomly turns into a badass the last moment of the last of the, the last episode, where <clears throat> where yeah, Sandra falls down in the challenge, and then you know John, as good players do, start cutting a deal. Hey, take me to the final two. Like you give up, I'll take you, or I give up and you take me, and that's it. We're the final two. And Lil's like, no, I don't think we're gonna do that. And John's like, no, come on, Lil, it's easy. Like we're the final two. One of us goes down, the other one takes. And she's like, no. And and he just gets increasingly frustrated because it's so obvious to him that this is how it should go. He's like, you want to go with me to the final two, Johnny Fairplay? You don't want to go to the mom, sympathetic mom with kids? She's like, no. And then he starts screaming. It's like, do you understand how deals work, Lil? It's just, it's this is one of those scenes that I've always loved with. John playing it absolutely correctly and Lil not playing it correctly, and it frustrates him him to no end. Well, I love it because he's again. It's 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 a way I phrase things, which which I guess is a a way I really enjoy it because he's like, all right, Lil, if I you know, she's like, we'll jump off and find out, and he's like, well, if I jump off, are you guaranteeing me final two? And she's like, I'm not guaranteeing you anything. Anything? Well, that's well, <laughs> well, that that's that's not a deal, Lil. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> it's great and it's funny like i remember rob sesternino trying to cut a deal with jen at the end which it's a similar situation except for the fact that matt was a huge goat and they both wanted to go with matt to the end it's not the case here because sandra's not a huge goat sandra's probably gonna beat lil and john's like i'm your goat let's do this right now and get it over with and we don't have to kill each other and so it's i can just imagine it's funny to listen to the frustration in john's voice and then of course lil starts trash talking him, which we've seen she has no no capability of her to be able to do this at any point in the season until right now where she starts you know trash talking she's like you know what i do aerobics my knees are great my ankles are great these are called squats and aerobics and john's just like okay 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 it's just funny because he's like oh fuck when did she become a badass <laughs> and then probes is like what do you think your chances are of winning this john he's like or do you like your chances of winning this john he's like not extremely <laughs> yeah it's like <laughs> I think Lil just said game on. I think Lil just said game over. And then I, the, 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 I think something to point out, though, and this is what you're thinking, like, uh, 
I think the legend of Johnny Fairplay, like the legend is there at the time of Pearl Islands. But I, I, I don't want to sit here and say that we as the audience thought that Lil was like a, a, a shoe in to win everything. Yeah. I mean, God, I was hoping Lil didn't win anything. But it's mm-hmm. not like I looked at that situation and goes like and, and said, well, you know, Johnny Fairplay is, the, you know, I, I thought Jerry, Johnny Fairplay was the man. But like I knew that people didn't like him very much and he was a dislikable kind of guy. And so I couldn't sit there and say, well, I think Johnny Fairplay runs away with this. And with Sandra, I never really thought of her ever as winning. You know, so yeah. it, it wasn't like it was so cut and dried in this thing. But now that you look back at it, you know, knowing a little bit more just about Lil about the character and stuff like that, Lil is literally drawing dead in this final tribal council. And and so literally, if Lil wins this challenge, which she does, she's literally just picking who she's going to lose to, which yeah. in a weird way, if you know that and you just, you know, because we're going to get into Lil's choice and stuff like that here. Like there's some respect there, but Lil doesn't know. Lil actually thinks she's going to win this thing. So <laughs> apparently, yeah. So fun. Yeah. Go Lil. She's a badass. She's a badass. She wins. John topples. Lil wins. Lil is in the final two, and she gets to choose which person she gets to go to the final two with, and she's going to make the right decision. Well, what's funny is, you know, I've, I've always said I write about this a lot in my columns that there's, you know, good guy villains, heroes, and stuff like that. And one of the things I've been adamant about over the years is that to be a good villain, you have to have a humiliating downfall. It, it can't possibly work. If you're a villain and you win, you're not a villain anymore. You become like an anti-hero. People cheer for you. Mm-hmm. To be a really good villain, you must fail, and you must be, it must be humiliating. Like, the, mo- the, the most horrible death you can, you can have, the better. And I can think of no better death for any greater villain and then John Fairplay being trash talked and having Lil kick his ass on the way out. I mean, that's how how low can you go as a Survivor mastermind to say that was your fate in Survivor that Lil kicked your ass in a physical challenge and then talked shit to you on the way out. Yep. Yeah. So that's the thing. In fact, John has said he's he's only watched the finale one time in his life. He hates watching it, and that's the thing. That's that's what makes him a great villain. That it is so horrible for his character what happened to him. That is what makes him a great villain. And that's the thing. I've I've always wondered, is your legacy better because you lost? I always think it is. And he's like, yeah, in a way you can kind of look at it that way because I'm the villain. If, if, if he won, he's not really the villain anymore. Yep. So Lil wins. And, you know, we do get some scrambling on whether, you know, Sandra's got some good line there where she's like, Lil, you said take out Burton. I said, Lil, whatever you want. You know, you said Lil or Sandra, take out Dare. I said, Lil, whatever you want. I'm saying, Lil, take me to the final two. Sandra, whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> Sandra, will you be in shock if Lil takes you to the final two? I would fall out. I'd be in damn shock. <laughs> I would be in damn shock if she takes me to the final two. And Lil acknowledges it, too, because Lil's like, I have a choice. And she's like, I could take Sandra. And, you know, she notices. She says, Sandra has friends over on the jury. Sandra's got Rupert. Sandra's got Krista. And, you know, you know, Fairplay also points out to, to Lil that she probably has Rhino, too. So it's like, well, she's got three. You need the rest of the four, you know, including yeah. myself. And stuff like that. I mean, John's basically saying you go against Sandra, you know, it's not looking too hot for you. And 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 he's saying, take me. And I mean, Lil does kind of acknowledge that she's like, Sandra's got friends over on the jury. And, you, you know, John screwed over a lot of people, but John can talk his way out of anything. And, you know, she said not really on the camera as much, but she said it more. You know, she said, you know, Sandra, Sandra's got a family to provide for. And, you know, she thought that John would, you know, blow it all on cocaine and hookers yeah. and, and kill himself. And, you know, in a way, that's that's kind of admirable. Like, I'm not again, you can't 
ever talk about how you vote someone out or why you vote someone a million dollars. Your reasons are your reasons, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like Lil actually thought she would win. She thought she would probably beat John. She thought she would probably beat Sandra. So it's not like Lil was sitting there going like, well, I'm going to lose either way. So now I get to choose who's actually going to get a million dollars over me. But if she did and she chose Sandra over John for that reason, I actually – I'm kind of like, well, that's that's not bad. That's that's yeah. admirable. It's not what happens ultimately. I mean, it, it is, but you know, there there's some there's some honor in that. Just saying, well, I'm not winning. This is who I'm going to vote for to win the game. Uh, you know, kind of indirectly, but uh, it's an interesting thing to think about. Yeah, to follow up on something you said there, this is something that a lot of newer viewers might not know. And this is, as much as you make fun of Lil, it's it's hard to make fun of her after you hear this story. Now, I don't know if this is true or not, but she has told me this on several occasions. So. Like I've asked her, why did you take Sandra to the end over John? And whether, again, whether this is true or not, or just her recollecting, changing her, her opinion over time, she said, I kind of suspected I would lose to either one. And really what happened in her is, is the mom gene kicked in. And she said, she said, basically, I have kids. I have, you know, little little boys and stuff. And, and I know the kind of lifestyle that John leads. He's like a hedonist. He loves alcohol. He's kind of into drugs. He parties a lot. And she said, if I give that young man a million dollars, she said, I, I think he'd be dead in a year. And so she said, what really happened is it wasn't strategy so much as my mom, Jean, kicking in and I'm looking out for him. She's like, I don't want it on my conscience that I contributed to this guy's death, that he went out and partied. And, you know, I've heard rumors that that was fair play's plan. If he won, he was going to go to Amsterdam and held the world's biggest party for a year or something. And and so that that that's been her story every time I've ever asked her about that. And I've heard her say it to other people, too. She says... It wasn't strategy at a certain point. I was looking out for this guy's life, and I really didn't want that on my hands if something bad happened to him. So, again, it's tough to make, to make fun of Lil too much once you hear stuff like that. Well, either way, because she wasn't she wasn't winning either way. But she she votes out Johnny Fairplay. Johnny Fairplay ends up in third. Greatest one of the greatest. I love Johnny Fairplay. I can't say too much bad about him. The curse of the third place finisher yet again. In fact, this may be the ultimate curse of the third place finisher. I don't know. This is this is a, a a debate that comes up, you know, all all over the place. How close was Rob, Rob Sesternino to winning? But I think the bigger question is how close was Johnny Fairplay to winning? Because I think he was way closer than Rob was. In fact, I almost beyond a shadow of a doubt don't think he a vote against Lil would have even been close. I think he would have stomped her. Well, okay. Let's let's think about this. I mean, I, I agree with you, but I think he gets Rhino's vote. <laughs> um, does he get Rupert's vote? Well, you got to remember, Rupert totally blamed Lil for, for him going out. Yeah, that's something be. John. Yeah, that's something John has explained to me when I've asked him about this. He says Rupert one hundred percent blamed Lil for voting him out. She was his safety valve. She would tell him the truth, and she failed on that. And he said Dara also one hundred percent blamed Lil for voting her out because Lil and Dara were supposed to take me out or something, whatever that was. But. He said, that's something a lot of people don't know, that Rupert and Dara were 100% not going to vote for Lil to win over anybody because they blamed her. Well, I think, I think even worst case scenario, if Rupert, Sandra, and Krista are too mad at John and they vote for, um, they vote for Lil, John can still pick up Rhino, Dara, Tuana, and Burton. There's four right there. Yeah. Yeah, he probably has all that. I mean, I think, and, and I think that you're right. I think that he gets the other ones there. So, I mean, John, John beats Lil. Um, does John beat Sandra? I don't know. John, I think John would always like to tell you that he would. I don't know if he would, because uh, he'd have, you know, Sandra's got uh, Rupert and Krista, you know, and he's probably, you know, John's probably got Burton, uh, you know, but it, it's tough to, it's tough to think, you know, would he get Lil's vote, you know, because Lil this- would be in the jury. 
See, in my opinion, this isn't even a debate worth having because I think Lil was exactly like Matthew. Everybody just wanted to go against her because, yeah. again, John has reiterated so many times in any interview you ask him, Lil could not beat anybody ever. The, I mean, there was visceral, obvious reactions to her in the jury. Anytime she talked, they could not stand her. It's like, and there's so much stuff you didn't see on TV. She'd just mope and whine and John be like, she was going through like menopause. So she'd sit out sit out in front of the campfire every night, like when everyone else is trying to sleep, just moaning, like, oh boy, oh brother, oh boy, oh my footsies, oh my tootsies, oh my little feetsies. And John's like, people just could not stand her. He's like, there's no way she beats anybody. So to say John versus Sandra, I don't see how that ever could have happened because Lil is in there somewhere. Ah, uh, you know, it's it's fun to think. And I think John even beats Burton, you know, because John had some some things up on Burton. Again, yeah. You always have to remember the outcasts coming back is is a wrinkle. I mean, John would g- go up and get Burton and say, first of all, Burton was voted out of this game. So yeah. fuck you. And second of all, Burton won that car. And I mean, I think that if, if John says those two things, it's it's curtains for Burton. Yeah, even so, you know, John, John, I think, was very, very close to winning things if he gets to a final two uh, mm-hmm. in stuff like that. I mean, Rob, I think is, it's a little bit more of a debate. I think Rob does have a lot of scenarios in which he wins. He, he I think he beats Matthew. And mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's close with him and Jenna. I think that we 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 left that off and I'm not going to revisit it. Because, you know, I, it's close. It's within one vote either way. But I think John stomps Lil. He, you know, he has a shot against Sandra and he beats Burton. Uh, Dara, I think, is a little bit of a weird wild card. But I didn't I don't really think Dara was getting to the final two. But I mean, John yeah. against a lot of those final five sixes. John probably wins a bunch of those final tribal councils. Yeah. A lot of people will bring up at the reunion show. They ask, well, if John, you know, if he would have taken if Lil, you'd taken. John no, no, you can't do that. Yeah, no, no. you can't do that because it's all retroactive. They've seen the dead grandma lie. They've seen all sorts of stuff. And John has even told me that they the producers kind of tipped them off. They were going to do that. He goes, we're going to give this. We're going to we're going to tell you at the reunion show. We're going to ask the jurors how they would have voted a different way. And John, now, whether you believe this or not, I don't know. This is something I've heard from John. So he's I, I, he's the only person who said it. He said the producers are well aware that Lil breaks into histrionics. And I'll talk about this more when we get to the final jury. She will break down crying and it will take her 10 minutes to recover. So the produ- John said the producers kind of tipped off the jurors ahead of time before the reunion show. If you go out there and you say that Lil, Lil would have lost again, she could break down in tears. And they're like, do you really want that on TV? So John said, we had a vote, an unofficial vote before we went out on the reunion show. And I won five to two. If it was me against Lil, I would have won five to two. So he said, fuck anything you see in the reunion show that was just done for TV. And that was way after the fact. So. Again, that all comes from John. I don't know how true that is, but he has 100% confidence he would have beaten Lil, and I agree with him. Okay, Paul, anything on John before we move to the final Starbucks cancel? Nope. Rest in peace, Johnny. Fair play. (laughs) I'll have one more thing. This is quick. Jesus! Sorry. Well, a lot of people want to ask, why wasn't John in All-Stars? And I asked John that, too. I'm like, why weren't you in All-Stars? And he's like, well, what happened was the producers weren't sure how America was going to react to my character, if they were going to like him, hate him. And so that was why at the last minute they decided just not to use him because they figured he wouldn't be a big enough deal. They weren't sure. And John's like, and they're asking me, like, what's America's reaction going to be to your character? And John's like, I'm pretty sure they're going to hate me. I lied about my grandma on TV. What do you think? So so that's why he's not on All-Stars. The producers weren't entirely sure how America was going to feel about him at the time. Yeah, man, I guess probably to cover their butts, too. I mean, who? I guess they didn't know maybe how bad it would be. There might have been such a backlash to what he did that they, you know, maybe they didn't want to be locked into bringing him back if um, yeah. if it was such a hate for him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as much as I've said so, I think Fair Play is my favorite character of the first seven seasons. I'm actually okay with him not being on All-Stars. Yep. 
And he um, may be the best player, in my opinion. He may be the best player of the first seven seasons. He, he's certainly, I think, the best player not to win. I think it would be him or Colby. I mean, he's just, I think he never gets enough credit for how close he came to winning. He should. And I think it's a shame. You know, it's funny because we're not at, we're not at All-Stars yet. We need to wrap up Pearl Islands. We're not at the Final Tribal, Tribal Council yet. But, you know, to me, All-Stars, is as weird and as, as, as cruddy as kind of a season it is, uh, I don't hate it as much as other things, and I find it just so infuriating that Johnny Fairplay gets brought back for Survivor Micronesia, which is my least favorite season of all yeah. the ones, because I feel like that is the, you know, for as much as you're going to argue about about All-Stars, and, and <laughs> I, I'm not really going to defend it too much, but to me, like, All-Stars is contained with All-Stars, whereas Micronesia is, like, All-Stars with newbies, which is just, yeah. like... It's so horrible, and like I know that Johnny has this weird thing in you know Micronesia with you know him getting punched out by Bonaducci and the pain pills and all that sort of stuff. But like, oh, if they had just like if they had just waited on him for Heroes versus Villains or something like that, where another just all All Star season, like that would have been perfect. Yeah, that would have I been agree. the most perfect thing. But not for the first All Stars. I'm actually okay with it. But let's get to final Tribal Council. Yeah. Now, what's funny is I don't have a lot to say about the final Treble Council because it's really just at this point, how bad is Lil going to lose? And again, so many people argue, well, Lil should have won. Lil was the better player. Again, Lil was not going to win. So let's just strike that notion out of anybody's head. She was not going to win. The only question was how ugly was it going to be because no one could stand her. I've said it already. Lil voted every single... And it was, what's funny is that in a lot of more modern Survivor things and, and whatnot, that's an argument for you. If you're like, I had the hand in all of you guys getting voted out because what you're showing them is they're showing them you, you were playing the game, you were making the moves. And you know a lot of people you know, are going to respect you that make the moves. But the problem here, the, the, the disconnect is that Lil did those things. She voted everyone out, but she did it with heavy emotion and she did it in the most annoying way possible. So it's well, like, but, but Taiwana, she, she recognized that. <laughs> yes. Money, uh, my money, <laughs> give me my money. Um, but yeah, what, what's funny is that I have a different opinion somewhat, but on Lil's final speech, but I totally understand where you're coming from because Lil does kind of turn on the jets right near the end. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they open up and, you know, again, this is Lil trying to be nice and Sandra just is telling it as it is. But what's funny is the is some of the questions that come up. Let's You don't have a lot of notes, but we'll really quickly go into it. So they get in there and Sandra's just like, I'm Sandra, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. And then Lil well, comes comes in and is like, thank, thank you for your time. What's funny about that is all Sandra should have said is, I played 39 days. This bitch didn't play 10. Thank you. Good night. Yeah. That's really all she should. Have. And it's funny because I've heard people say that to her over the years. Why don't you bring up the outcast more? The fact that Lil wasn't even there for almost two weeks. And Sandra's like, it never crossed our mind. I mean, how could that have not crossed your mind? And that, that lens, because, you know, there's a lot of strat heads and stuff like that. They're not the biggest Sandra fans on the planet. And look, Sandra is a plus character. I am not going to say much about Sandra. But, you know, when some people are like, well, Sandra is the greatest player to ever play Survivor because she's played twice and won twice. It's like you're splitting hairs. I'm not going to take away any victory that Sandra had. Sandra earned those victories. But Sandra, 
her play her play style in a lot of times there's a lot of flaws to her game you know in a lot of ways and hey she won i'm not sitting here and in, in, in you know shitting on the games that she played but sandra tried to lose actively in some of these things and like this final tribal council it's not her best it's yeah, not yeah. a good performance by sandra Jay, i'm gonna cut some throats here bitch no the thing <laughs> no the thing with sandra is this yes you hold up her the her performance at the final tribal council now to other ones that have done no it's not that great it is not stellar. She does not. She points out stuff that you're like, hey, well, that actually is in favor of Lil. But Sandra knows the people on that jury. She knows mm-hmm. the situation. It's 2003, 2004, whatever it is. And she knows how to get those votes. And if you ask Sandra, it's all about getting those votes in there to get the, you know, get the paycheck at the end of the day. And she knows how to get it done. Yeah, and 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 what you're exactly right because there is something that Sandra does here, and it's it's inadvertent in a way, but it's it's perfect for the situation. Again, it's this whole like duality, right? Like the problem that Lil has, and she tries to shed it at the very end, is that Lil is being cut, trying to be cutthroat, right, and cut people out of this game, but yet she's trying to do it under this nice facade, and they kind of trap her in this whole Boy Scouts of America thing, which is a little unfair in and of itself, but I mean, Lil does say at times, like, I think it's Krista's question, where she's like, you keep apologizing for things, you keep saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry for this, and Lil's like, when did I apologize? And Chris is like, you apologized when you voted Rupert out. You apologized when this and, and Lil's like, well, I was sorry then. And it's like they're catching you in this duality, right? They really just want you to kind of own up to it. And here's Sandra, who her whole mantra the whole time is, I'm telling you exactly like it is. Yeah. And she went up yes. there and said, I'm telling you exactly like it is. And the thing is, is that that was so flipping refreshing to all those people mm-hmm. that they were like, oh, my God, thank you. Yeah, that's the one thing that Sandra doesn't really get enough credit for. Yeah, she doesn't control the game. I mean, I'm a big fan of just avoiding the vote, which is what she does. I mean, a lot of people don't like that way of playing. But she's good when she gets to the end because she's so honest. She's just mm-hmm. like, here is why I won. I looked out for Sandra. I mean, there's no bullshit. There's no I, yeah. agenda with her. I think what Sandra did the best is that she she she's found a way to, clung, to cling on to like the most like fundamental part of the game, which is the thing that Mario brings up all the time. At the end of the day, the only thing you need are those four votes to win four out of the seven. And that gets you the check. And the fact that she could do that back in season seven, pre all-star old school, no idols, none of that. And the fact that she can pull that off again, 13 seasons later with all that other crap that they throw at her. And she can still just, she, she plays the people game and it's kind of, it's, it's really ironic because she'll curse people out and she'll, you know, she's not afraid to do all that kind of stuff, but because she's so raw and she's so good with people and just knows what people want to hear. And she knows how to, you know, she, she just, she understands the game at its most basic level. And that's what's gotten her the check twice. Yeah. And again, it's so simple, but I say it all the time. She's good at not getting voted out, which it sounds so simple, but like you really don't have to control the game if you can just not get voted out. It's, I know it's not a way of playing that people respect, but I mean, look at the success ratio. That's why she wins. I look out for Sandra. I don't get voted out. And at the end, I'll tell no, you exactly no, why I no got No one that. even votes for her. The first time anyone ever votes for her in Survivor is the final six of Survivor Heroes versus Villains. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah. she's, yeah, she's mastered that. What, yeah. I've, what I've said over the years, because it's a reconciling thing, because, you know, there's two camps on Sandra, which is, you know, Sandra is the best ever. And then there are people going, oh, my God, she's so nowhere close. And to me... It's tough because I I think Sandra, I, you know me, I look at characters more than I look at, you know, gameplay more than anything else. Sandra mm-hmm. is an A-plus character. And so I, I love Sandra. If I ever met her in real life, I'd probably geek out really, really hard and all that sort of stuff. So so I don't want to go down to saying, like, I'm anti-Sandra because I'm totally not. But what I've said over the time is that I don't think Sandra is the best player of Survivor. 
But I think Sandra is the best at surviving Survivor. Yeah, absolutely. Try and I mean, that's the thing. You can vote her out early in the game because she's so weak in challenges. But once she gets to about episode four or five, good luck. <laughs> like, there's no reason to get rid of her ever. Sandra and can survive the game. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, she'll just, whatever the alliance, whatever the dominant alliance is, whoever has fish to fry, she'll join in. Here, you mm. need an extra vote? Fine. But it's, crazy thing. Because, she doesn't... but it's crazy that she can do that, and then also people will respect her enough in the end yep. to vote for her, which is crazy because yep. she's beat out she's beat out three people. Lil, okay, Lil's like the worst of the worst as it gets, but beats out Parvey and Russell during doing that doing the same game. So whatever, yeah. hands off to Sandra. I, and I got to yeah. point out, you know, it's it's not that she's not the world's greatest Jerry speaker, but her her answer to Rupert's really good. Where she answer... totally charms. It's like a snake charmer. Yeah, she, she charms him. She charms him. What's funny though is that like. You know, if I'm in the jury and she, you know, Rupert's basically like, did you know, you know, Rupert's question to Sandra is, did you know I was going home? Right. And yeah. Sandra's like, no, I didn't. Right. And I don't know if that's totally true or not, blah, blah, blah. But, she, you know, that's what Rupert wanted to hear. Right. Rupert yeah. wanted to hear that, you know, I didn't have a hand in it, all that sort of stuff and, and whatnot. If I'm sitting in the jury, I'm like, oh, so you didn't know it was going on. Awesome. But like, you know, and that may. But she knew she knew that that would be all right. You know yeah. what I mean? And And that's. That's pretty good. I, I'm, I'm always going to give her props on that. Uh, she had some good answers to things uh, and whatnot. You know, she did. She did say that, you know, Lil put everyone there. But, you know, she I thought that her answer to Burton, I think that solidified everything. But I think Burton is that went, the one. Yeah. Is that the one where she says, if I don't look out for Santa for number one, ain't no one else going to or something like that. No, I think that's to John's because yeah. John goes last. Yeah, that, talk that, about that, that's uh, linking into her Puerto Rican heritage. Yeah. How does she represent Puerto Ricans? Yeah. We'll, we'll get to John because I know Mario, I know Mario has got stuff to say about that. But people yeah. just have the questions. They answer them. You know, people are really pinning Lil to the wall because of this duality and they're using the Boy Scout thing. You know, oh, Boy Scouts are honor. And yet you lied and backstabbed Lil and Lil's trying to reconcile it both but what lil has been caught here is this whole thing where lil is playing on emotion and cutting people out of this game but then not trying to take emotional responsibility for it and you know yeah. it's finally coming back to roost on her and it's not going so well but you know some people have some fun questions here and there krista throws sandra a total softball which is really awesome and uh, burton comes in and burton's got a really interesting question where you don't really expect it because burton is so smart and he's 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 shown strategic elements and you know all all this survival kind of thing and whatnot. And Burton's question is basically, all right, there's the survivor element of survivor. If you were dropped on our beach by yourself, how would you rate yourself on one of 10 and surviving? Mm -hmm. And Sandra says, well, I give myself a five, which I felt was a, a little higher number, but then she explains it out. She's like, you know what? The Island had some, you know, I would know, you know, foods and fruit to eat and stuff like that. So I'd survive for a little bit for four or five days. Then I'd probably die and starve. <laughs> yeah. Which and is accurate. Honest. Like to yeah. me, to me, that answer is more like a three or four. But we're picking nits here, right? But she says five and stuff like that. And the thing is, is that she says a completely honest answer, right? She's like, mm -hmm. I'd survive for a bit because I know what foods were around and I could eat them. But I'd run out of that, and I don't know really know fire and shit, so I'd die. Yeah. And 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 all Burton wanted to hear was some flipping honesty, right? Like when people yeah. ask you those questions, people always think of the answer in parts. It's like the oh, Colin Powell is my world leader, right? <laughs> it's like yeah. they don't want to hear that. They want to hear something honest, right? So Sandra said an honest answer, and then Lil comes in and says, "I'd do a seven because you know I can make fire and all that sort of scout shit." And Burton's like, "Are you fucking kidding me? You lost the hook. <laughs> you lost the hook." <laughs> And I got to point out again that that was a legit reason to vote for people to win Survivor back then, the survival elements, which has been completely lost from Survivor since then. Yeah, but I think for people going on 
current season survivors? That's actually a decent question because, uh-huh. you know, you're, you know, and I think Dave Johnson's question just about the world leader, like those are deceptively good questions because all you're looking for is an honest answer and you can mm-hmm. tell something that's bullshit and something that isn't. And Lil just kind of said something. And I think, I think Lil honestly believed that she could probably survive a seven, but it's like everyone knows that, you know, she's just kind of living in a convoluted world and, you know, she didn't have the honest assessment of herself and it's just, just a bad question. But then we get to John at the end. Oh, yes. So much has been said about John's question over the years. If you go to any survivor message board, they'll all say the same thing. John's question was so brutal and so mean that they cut it out on TV, that it was apparently just the absolute worst thing you've ever heard on Survivor, because he just went in there wanting to make them cry. And this has been the story over the years that how bad was it? Because I've never gotten a straight story. What exactly was cut? Because on TV, it's very benign. It's very quick. He just says, oh, none of the above. Can I vote none of the above? How did you represent Puerto Ricans? How did you represent the Boy Scouts? And, of course, Lil starts crying. And she gives a really good speech there. Or maybe it's in her final words about the final. uniform. It's in her yeah, final how, words. And it's a really good. I don't want to gloss over that. But for this question, so what happened is I actually talked to John like three hours ago. I just I called him. I wrote to him on Twitter this afternoon. Hey, can I ask you a question? I'm like, I'm dying here, John. I've never seen the answer to this. What was so mean in your final question? What, what, what exactly happened? So he says, well, okay. So we talked on the phone. He called me. And he's like, uh, what you have to remember is I only remember part of it because I was drunk. So it's kind of a blur. So again, it gets into the whole thing. But he said, basically, my plan was to go up there and I wanted to make the night as horrible for Lil as possible. And I'm like, not for Sandra. See, I've heard you were mean to both. He's like, no, because I'm, I'm going to vote for Sandra to win. He goes, everyone knew Sandra was going to win. Lil could not win anything. So... My plan was just to go up there and be mean and make it the worst night of her life, basically to drive her into therapy. I mean, this is this is his word for word. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, I just wanted to be so mean that she would start crying. So so we just started laying into her how she's a horrible person, how how, uh, you know, she's a bad role model, how she lied, how she's an idiot, how she had no business being here, how she should kill herself and stuff like that. He goes, at one point I started saying I was going to take a piss on the grave of her kids. I'm like, are you kidding me? He's like, oh, yeah, I wanted to do that. I just wanted to get this on TV. And he's like, what would happen is she would just start breaking down. Like every 10 minutes or so, she'd burst into tears. And that was what we were used to from Lil. He says, he says this is what you don't see on TV. This is what people need to understand when it comes to Lil, why Lil wasn't one survivor. When she started crying, it was 15 minutes of until she could get her composure back to the point that they would have to turn off the cameras because they were wasting film and stuff like that. Like if she went into tears, that was it. It was over. And so they would do like their tape changes and stuff when, when the minute Lil would burst into tears and she had to get her composure and come back. And so John said, every time she'd start crying and she'd get her composure, I just lay into her more. And that's the thing. He goes, he goes, she would, you know, we'd start the film up and John would just flat out say, he's like, you ready to cry some more bitch? Like right to her face. And that was the thing. He's like, He's like, so he look over the producers and they're like telling him to wrap up because I'm not done. And so he just kept doing this just because he wanted to embarrass her on live TV. So that's, again, greatest villain in, in history, not particularly someone you'd root for. But I had heard about this before. So he was just laying into her and he said they stopped, had to stop production twice because it took so long. And uh, yeah, so he basically said, yeah, she ended up seeing a shrink over Survivor. It was so horrible. But this is what you have to understand. The jurors behind me were like, agreeing with me they were cheering me and to the point that i was speaking what everyone wanted to say they just could not stand lil making everything about herself everything was histrionics she would take over the thing like to the point like we were advised before we went into the reunion show 
don't make Lil cry because Burnett would tell them, if she starts crying, we can't pull the camera off her on live TV. If, if a woman's crying on stage, the camera stays on her. So if you guys want airtime in this reunion show, do not make Lil cry because they knew what an ordeal it was. And John said, even during my jury speech to Lil, you know, I heard stories that Burnett was right off camera and Burnett's kids were there. And they're like throwing their hands up because she's such a mess that she can't even get through a full sentence before she loses it again. So there's I mean, there was a lot of backstory. I'd heard that over the years. And John said, oh, yeah, you can talk about that. This is this is the truth. And it never gets said enough. But it was just it was so brutal. And it absolutely lives up to what I'd heard about it. And there you go. I don't know if anybody can top that one. Yeah, you have the story of the <laughs> of the podcast. Yeah. And that was the thing he says. And again, that's what people have to know. Everyone agreed with me. I was saying exactly what the jury wanted to say because they were so sick of her histrionics the entire season. So, yes, John has the, the, the on air. He has the question about the Puerto Ricans. This and That's when Sandra's like looking out for number one, looking out for Sandra. And then Lil kind of, you know, she starts the whole if I could not if, if I could not have had the uniform on, I wouldn't have it. You know, and then and then they get into their final words. And, you know, Sandra's just like, yeah, you know. I'm glad I'm here. Thank you for your time. <laughs> yeah, I know. That was the thing. Again, it's, it's it was not a surprise that Lil won. Everyone or that Sandra won. Everyone knew it was coming. So that's yeah. the thing. It's I love Sandra, but it's she was against the absolute weakest opponent in Survivor history. So we'll just leave it at that. Yes, she was. But like Lil then has a, a final speech, and a lot of people, and it, and it sounds like Mario, you agree in the in the sense that Lil really just lays it out. I mean, Lil's just like, you know. The scouts is a different thing. This game's a different thing. You know, people are trying to, you know, crucify me for this sort of sort of thing. All that stuff about, you know, the lying, the cheating, the the, the integrity. It's bullshit. This is a game. You know, this is not real life. You know, I'm going to go back and be the scoutmaster to, you know, 75 kids. And, uh, you know, they're going to be Big Lil, you know, the scoutmaster. And, you know, here it's something else. And I'm going to teach them that this was a game, that this was not real life and stuff like that. And, like, that's a pretty decent speech. It is. It's one of my all-time favorite jury closing speeches, and it's really good. And that's the one speech that I think kind of sways a lot of viewers to thinking that Lil was close to winning, because she really wasn't. But that is a fantastic speech, and it lays out very succinctly, honestly, and really, I mean, it's very persuasively why I had to play the way I did. And she's right, in a sense. She was. She absolutely had to do what she had to do. But yeah, it was just a little too little too late at that point. And it's just, I mean, it just underscores the fact that, you know, Survivor has such a huge fan base, and so many people are just obsessed with the show. They love it. They love the ethics. They love the backstabbing. But at its heart, Survivor is a very mean game, very brutal game. And it's not a game I'd probably wish on most of my enemies. I mean, it's it has a way of really messing you up in your psyche and like a very fundamental level. And Lil is a perfect example of a victim of who really got nailed by the dark side of Survivor. It's one of those things that I think needs to be reiterated from time to time. That This is a very nasty game with the potential to really fuck people up very badly. And Lil, unfortunately, is one of the bigger victims, I think, of, of what can Survivor can do to you. So, yeah, Lil, it, it's a decent speech. But, again, this is, this is literally just throwing a pebble into the middle of the ocean. I mean, you know, she comes around to it. It's like I'm getting, I got pissed at Krista for figuring out Survivor 33 days in. Lil figured it out on day 39 evening. And it's mm-hmm. like, that is not enough time. And uh, we, you know, Jeff goes and tallies the votes. We see, you know, just a couple of votes. Of course, Rupert, you know, I'm so glad I'm going to give you this money, Sandra. <laughs> yes. And uh, Jeff, you know, goes to tally votes, says, I'm not going to read them here. I'm going to leave. You know, not, not, not a big exit from Jeff Probst. He just leaves. And then we come back to the studio. They're sitting there. And it's funny because they're dolled up. But, you know, Lil's still wearing a scout uniform. 
Mm-hmm. You know, again, again, which wasn't her choice. I always have to point that out. When they got thrown off the boat in the, on day one of the season, they thought they were going to a photo shoot. They didn't think they were playing the game. So, you know, it's not 100% Lil's fault she was wearing that scout uniform the whole game. Yeah, you know, but uh, Rhino could have worn an electrician suit and he would have been able to lie all he wanted to because, you know, he's just an electrician. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, you're right. The 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 scout uniform is distinct and it's 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 an article of clothing in, in and they didn't have any others in in things like that. But, you know, Lil says all the time, she talks about the scouts all the time. And that's not a bad thing. It's the main thing in her life. Like, you know, she I don't know if she was, you know, had a job or she was just a a stay at home uh, housewife mother or whatnot. But like her main thing is, you know, the Boy Scouts like, you know, I I work, I have a job and and I and I love my job and all that sort of stuff. But, uh, you know, my wife and I put on a musical at, at the high school. She teaches that every year. And that's something that I really enjoy doing. And so a lot of times when I'm talking about just theater things, I talk about my musical uh, directing experience. It's something that I enjoy very, very much. And, and I bring it up a lot. And it's like if she wasn't wearing the scout uniform, she probably still talks about the scouts 100 percent of the time yeah. it, because it's a part of her and it's not going to leave her. So I, I don't totally buy the argument like, oh, well, they put her in that Boy Scout uniform. They forced it upon her. It's like, no, it's 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 what she is but you're right that is a big visual cue that maybe they didn't need so much yeah like my sons and boy scouts and i will totally agree with you people that are scout masters that live that life 24 7 that is what you are so she is a boy scout that's just what they are i mean i know a lot of people like her mm-hmm. but uh yeah so they get to the live vote and uh you know Something that I've not pointed out this whole time, but I'm just going to point out again. The final tribal council, Lil's holding Sandra's hand sometimes. She holds Burton's hands when they get back in the game. Lil's, Lil's a hand holder. She tried to make out with Burton, too, and stuff like that. And then Jeff goes and says, you know, I'm, now about, I'm going to read the votes. And the audience is going nuts, and Lil goes to hold Sandra's hand. I mean, it is consistent all the way through. I have nothing more to add at this point in the season. Sander <laughs> um, wins the end. <laughs> I, I, I want to add this. I, I say this. I found this a long time ago on uh, Sandra's actual Facebook page. Sandra accepted me as a friend on her real Facebook page when I won her contest many, many years ago. And there's a picture of, ironically, of Lil and Sandra holding hands at... At some event, it looked like I don't know if they changed after the finale or after they because they're wearing kind of those weird outfits and stuff because they aren't wearing what they were wearing at the reunion. But anyway, there's the two of them in front of the Survivor Pearl Islands logo, and Sandra up- uploaded this and has the 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 little caption Survivor Finale 2003 with Lil all caps. Lil Morris comments on the picture. Oh my gosh, Sandra, where did you get this picture? Sandra writes. Lil the computer, go to Google Images and write your name, Big Baller. <laughs> Lil writes back, sorry, what is Big Baller? <laughs> Sandra writes, Big Baller is you, Mrs. Big Time, spelled T-Y-M-E. All good, Lil, nothing bad. <laughs> so I, I love this little interaction between Sandra and Lil um, years after the fact. That seems legit. <laughs> it sucks and so do you. <laughs> where'd you where'd you get that picture go on the on the computer go to google <laughs> type your name <laughs> type your name big baller what is what is big baller sandra <laughs> <laughs> what is big baller <laughs> you mean bawling like crying big baller <laughs> big baller yeah 
Lil is the biggest baller I've ever seen. And she cries a lot. Uh, I can't believe we're done with Pearl Islands. We're done. And that's the thing. We could talk another half hour about Sandra, but this is like a three-hour podcast, so we'll talk more about Sandra later. Yeah, we, we'll, we'll do the cliff notes. We love Sandra. Yeah, we, we talked Sandra. a lot about Sandra's <laughs> win and stuff. I feel like we've covered that pretty well. All I can say about Sandra is I, I've been a big fan of hers for years. I mean, I, I always claim I'm one of the biggest Sandra fans out there. I got to meet her at Reality Rally last year, and it's it, our, my very first meeting with Sandra is so what you would expect from Sandra. Is I walk up to her, and I don't notice that she there's like the spread of all this food, and she's got her hands full of food, and she's holding a, can, a cup of coffee, and I don't realize that because I come up, come up from behind her, and I'm like, I said, hello, and she turned around. I'm like, hi, I'm Mario Lanza, Funny 115. I've been writing about you for years. We used to exchange emails. And she's like, oh, and she looks and she's her hands are full. She wants to shake my hand. So she hands me her cup of coffee. She's like, hold this. <laughs> so my very first meeting with Sandra, the very first words we ever exchanged was her saying, hold this. So there you go. That's my meeting with Sandra. I just and love, I kind of uh, geek, I I lo- geeked out like Jay would. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would go crazy. Well, I, I love stories to hear about of Sandra at, at um, charity events. Like I've heard a story of her that all the reality stars got these little gift baskets including and it included a $10 gift card to JCPenney and she was going around collecting them from all the people asking if they wanted their card or not and she walked away with a huge stack of JCPenney uh, gift cards. <laughs> she's a hustler. Even, even yeah. at the charity event, she's a hustler. Oh, and I got to point out, okay, this, I, get, I got a lot of questions about this. There's a story on the internet that that Sandra was so mean to Lil that she'd kick sand in her face every day at the at the at the on the beach, and this has been going around Survivor for or on the message boards for years. I asked Sandra about that. Did you really kick sand in Lil's face? I'm like, you know, I'm not judging you. I think it would be kind of funny. And Sandra's like, no, I would just cuss her out every morning. I didn't kick sand in her face, so you can tell him that's bullshit. So there was no sand being kicked in Lil's face, but she will freely admit to cussing Lil out every morning. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> again you could just do a whole podcast on the sandra interaction she's got the greatest story okay <clears throat> okay so we are done with pearl islands here as always we don't have a lot of time for listener questions i mean this is a three-hour podcast this one's going to be long um what we have decided to do is after this we are doing our next show it should be all stars now the problem is i fucking hate all stars <laughs> so in an attempt to stall i said hey let's have a listener email podcast where all we're going to do is respond to listener emails you can write in anything any question try if it's about survivor make it about the first seven seasons please any question you want answered you can ask about jay about paul about me you can ask about montana you can ask about i don't know or ask us to do impressions whatever just any question you have all we will do is a two-hour podcast where we just respond to listener email questions. That's going to be our next podcast. And I even set up an email account. You can send all questions to survivorhistorians at gmail.com. And we will try to uh, respond or uh, whatever whatever your request is. We'll try to respond to every single email we get if we can. So this is your one big chance if you want if you want us to say your name on the air, if you want to shout out, anything like that. Uh, Paul's friend Shandy will give you a second shout out if you request anything. So. Anything you guys want to add about the uh, listener email podcast? No. They're not They're not the best color man in the business for nothing. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know the concept of people writing me emails. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still baffled by the whole thing. But uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to answer your your email uh, as much as I as, as much as I uh, put on the facade. Not, not like I'm getting a lot of emails, but I've gotten a couple and they are questions. And so if, if you are one of the handful and a legitimate handful of people that have written into me, uh, I've got your questions as well. And I will bring those to the table. 
Paul. If you write me something or you want an impression, send it to me. I'll see what I can do. Dear Paul, Paul impersonate Sandra. Why don't you give me some challenging ones to, uh, to... <laughs> We've done, what? This was a three-hour... Pro- I mean, we've done literally like almost eight hours on Pearl Islands. Exactly. So anyone who doesn't think this is a top ten season, you're wrong. So I hope we've at least convinced you of that at the, by this point. This is absolutely my favorite season, and it baffles me to this day that there's some people who hate it. Even if you don't like Sandra, you should appreciate it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, the characters are, it's ridiculous because Rupert is a big character. Now, you can argue whether you were there and you remember the the hysteria of Rupert, or if you just look at him and see him as just this flawed kind of hero. Either way, he's a big character. He can drive a season, or at least he could drive this one. And then you've got Johnny Fairplay, the perfect foil, who can also drive a season. You've got Sandra, an A plus character, uh, you know she and, and she's you know she's our winner and she's going to come back and she's going to be a funny character in Heroes versus Villains as well. And then you've got people. I mean, we as much as we've made fun, we talk about Lil. I mean, Lil was a gigantic impact on the season and she was a fun character to have on our TV. And we've got Krista and we've got Andrew Savage and we've got Rhino and we've got all these all these characters that come in here. I mean, Pearl Islands is just filled with good characters from pillar to post. The season, I mean, Mario argues that the first couple episodes are kind of, of dragging, but the first episode of Pearl Islands is, I think, one of the best first episodes ever that's not outside of, of uh, an all-star season because those kind of get sort of badass in a way. But, yeah. like, the these, you know, it was it's a great first episode. The second one may be dragged and whatnot, but, I mean, it picks up by episode three or so, and it doesn't let off the gas. It's good all the way through. It is a solid season, all the way through, great twist, great way they handle everything, good theme. It's just good. I will say, um, especially with this, this last part here, because that's when, when the season it just hits its finest. I mean, it's good throughout, but especially that Rupert and Tuana episode. This season was the most difficult for me to podcast about because there was so little that you could really tear apart in it because... One, it's so well known, it's so popular, and it's so flawless that it even is. It's hard to pick apart and make fun of the show itself because this was when the show was at its best. So, mm-hmm. so um, if you want more snarky, Paul, wait till All Stars. I'll see what I can do. It <laughs> shouldn't be hard. And I love that Paul just called the dead grandma episode the Tawana episode. Well done, Paul. <laughs> Trying to bring it back to Tijuana. Money, money. Ah, <laughs> uh, son. No, this this is going to be good. I, we'll we'll get to all stars eventually and stuff like that. I, mean, I don't know how many of these we, you want to go. I don't. I can't imagine you not ever want to talk about Chris and Vanuatu. Yeah, no, that's happening. We'll get we'll get up. We'll probably go through Palau, Guatemala. I mean, there's some really good seasons coming up, so let's we'll see. But all stars is going to be a chore. I have hated all stars with every fiber of my being ever since it came out. A lot of people always ask me why, and I don't really give a detailed answer and i will have more than enough to say once we get there so just wait he'll have a lot to say i'm gonna counter it somewhat but when i say counter it somewhat you know this is not like mario and i on opposite sides of like an andrew savage was he a good leader or was he not good leader debate like mario is gonna say that all stars was the biggest abomination for mankind and i'm gonna say that all stars was not quite the biggest abomination (laughs) to mankind (laughs) i'm not gonna 
going to give it a ringing endorsement. But uh, to me, there are other Survivor seasons that open the Pandora's box of ruining the thing more than more than All Stars because it's a contained All Star season. But like any reality show, and especially a reality show with that is an All Star something or other, it, those seasons are weird unless it's Celebrity Apprentice, and then then it just becomes so weird it's kind of good. But <laughs> yeah. like. All-Star seasons are just weird. They're not normal seasons of Survivor. All-Stars is not a normal season of Survivor. Weird shit happens in it that can only happen in some sort of weird All-Star setting. And I and I hope to point those out, but All-Stars has actually got some pretty funny moments, and I'll try to highlight those uh, and whatnot. And there's some decent gameplay every once in a while. But, uh, yeah, can't wait for Vanuatu. Yeah, Vanuatu is going to be awesome. <laughs> Look forward to that Vanuatu podcast. Mario, are we going to have to do Cook Islands at some point? <laughs> I don't know. Please don't even joke about that. I, I don't want to do Cook Islands, Mario. I couldn't talk about Cook Islands for 30 minutes. <laughs> All right. We should sign off. A lot of the people go. I know some people that you have to go. I know some of our friends listen to these podcasts while they're jogging, while they're driving, while they're mowing their lawn. So we, you can finish mowing your lawn. We're just about done here. Uh, as always, for these Survivor Historians, I'm Mario Lanza. This is Paul. Don't trust this bitch. And this is Jay Fisher. You you can trust me. I'm I'm a I'm a trustworthy bitch. Maybe he lies. He lies a lot, but he tells the truth sometimes too. So yeah. thank you. Oh, thanks. Want to hold? I was hungry. What the fuck am I gonna do yelling at him? I mean, I need you to swear. There, there's only one swear that I'll accept from you to believe you. Okay, which one is wrong? Your two kids. He was like swearing your kids. Well, let me see those fingers. <laughs> and then he said, "Let me see your hands." He didn't want me, I guess, to have my fingers crossed. How dumb is that? I swear on my two kids that I'm with you guys until, what, the final three? So I said, I swear on my kids. And in my head and mumbling under my breath, I was like, I swear on my kids that I'm going to screw you and Burton.